1: Of secrets for an inspirational life. How are you all today? I hope that everyone, wherever you are in the world, is feeling a little joy and a little bit of happiness, and that life has calmed down at least a little bit, but enough to give us that passion for adventure, something that ignites our spirit to keep hoping and to keep living. And that's one of the most difficult things sometimes that we can do because we forget. And we should always try with all our heart and soul to be around those people that are able to ignite that special feeling that are, in essence, our tribe, those people that make us feel good and make us feel alive. And sometimes, you know, God, the universe, whatever you want to say, puts us together with people for a reason at exactly the right time, exactly the right moment for them to keep their promise to us and for us to keep our promise to them, to help us along this long road called life. And that's why I'm actually absolutely delighted and honored completely to have my guest today, which is the ever-gracious and wonderful Dan Richardson. Dan is the English actor known for films such as Retribution, Kill Kane, When Life Was Good, and The Harsh Light of Day. That is just to name a few. Dan was also in the very popular Disney hit TV series, The Lodge, which showed across worldwide. He also produces his own films and documentaries. Dan became the patron of the famous Born Free Foundation, which was started by Virginia McKenna. And he is an advocate for animal welfare and a renowned environmentalist. You know, his work, is simply incredible. Some of the things that he has done, which you will all, you know, look up afterwards, is amazing. And for me, and for many others, he is a real modern day hero in all senses of the word. Beyond Born Free, Dan is also a patron of Voice for Asian Elephant Society and Nature Watch Foundation, as well as an ambassador the international aid for the protection and welfare of animals and remembering wildlife. Whether it's rescuing abandoned dogs in Romania to rehoming lion cubs in South Africa, Dan is one of the most compassionate voices for animals everywhere. He is also a spokesman for the vegan movement and that is something that he feels exceptionally passionate about. And today, we are so lucky to have him here. He shares his wonderful story, his effervescent spirit, I have to say, and his beautiful journey. Welcome, Dan.
2: Oh, what, what an amazing introduction. It's Just listening to you is, uh, is somewhat dreamlike, and uh, I'm very, very uh, flattered and honoured. and. And uh, humbled by your by your words and your introduction, thank you. It's absolutely wonderful to be here, and I'm honoured.
1: I'm honoured. You know, the honour is all mine, really, Dan. And um, they're just really words from my heart, and something that I feel very passionately about. For everything that you do, really, is emanates such glorious compassion and kindness, helping so many beings around the world. It is really. A true vocation of someone who really deserves all the honour.
3: Well,
2: thank you. I mean, it, it, I guess from my, my perspective, it just it feels like as much of an honour to to be doing that because um, whatever it may be. Hmm. Um, I mean, what you just recently, I had a, I had a, a an encounter with a couple of mice couple of orphaned mice, and and there was, the, the two of them curled up together were the
4: size of a two pence. Oh! It was the most incredible thing. It was devastating because I,
2: they came into my life as uh, they were they were dug up in a garden and separated from their uh, their mother and uh, and I had them in my life for twenty four hours and and as is unfortunately about. 99 times out of 100 is, is the case in that kind of situation. They were about four days old and had a, a very slim chance of survival and sadly didn't survive, but they, it was devastating. And, um, and as tiny as they were, I remember when I, when I uh, thought about the, the impact they had on me and the loss that I felt when they, when they, uh, when they crossed that rainbow bridge, I was, they were giants. They were giants in my life, and I know that I'll meet them again. It's it was, and it just kind of underlines the point that I wanted to make, which is that the, the honour, the privilege that I feel when I when I'm helping an animal, whether it is the tiniest, you know, twopence size two mice, and mm. uh, or, or, or as I say, you know, relocating a lion or whatever else it may be. There, it's just such a. Feels like such a privilege. It feels like something that you should, you should be, um, uh, you should be paying to do. It's such an honour, such a privilege, rather than you know. Uh, well, I suppose you do pay to do it because no one's certainly paying me to do it. But it's just, it feels like such a privilege. So you know, to hear you say that it, the, the, the words that you have just said, it's quite, it's quite profound, really, because it just feels like the
1: opposite to me. It feels like uh, I'm the one who's, who's lucky and honoured. You are, but also we are honoured as mankind and the animal world as well, Dan, because you do so much, which you're going to share with us today. And some of the work that I have looked, that you have done, it has really brought tears to my eyes. And there is this glowing sensation in my soul that there are still people out there like yourself who have made it their life's work to help. You know, and that is something that really gives the world another reason to turn. So it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And I would like to share with the listeners. Tell us a little bit. Let's go back. Tell us a little bit about how this all started with you.
2: You know, I have to probably attribute it to DNA to a great extent. Because it, you know how it is when you think about childhood memories and, and they literally are some of the first thoughts that we're aware of having um, or at least the first thoughts we can recollect having. And for me, I, I can't remember a life. I can't remember a version of me that wasn't always incredibly sensitive to and uh, passionate about animals. And I, have to, I think I have to attribute that to, to, my, to my dad a lot. I think my dad was who uh, who bless him he'd be hundred and ten if he was still with us um, mm-hmm. he was a very old dad he was he was sixty two when I was born and um he died when i was twenty one he was eighty three so you know it's, uh, as sad as it was it wasn't a tragic thing he he had lived lived a really great and full life and he was a, he was way ahead of his time in the sense that you know he was um very much an animal advocate, quite outspoken as well um and that obviously instilled in my brother and I this this great respect for nature and animals and a passion for it. And uh, and so he he absolutely has to take a lot of the credit. But it also does feel like I said it feels like it's it's even prior to that it feels like it's it's something that you just come pre-programmed mm. for I guess in some care. And 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 of course people come pre pre-programmed for all different types of things. And for me, it just was always animals. I can never remember not feeling incredibly connected to animals and and, uh, uh,
3: passionate about their well-being.
1: And it's something that you felt even as a child. It's something that Mm. you knew deep inside that you would always want to do in a way. In a, in a way, for sure. I mean, I can't claim to have had that clear vision of this is what I'm going to do. Hmm. I, I
4: don't I don't think I ever felt that sense of knowing what I was going to do. Uh, funny enough, until I was in my
2: mid thirties, which is when I started acting. I didn't. I, I was just I, I was in inverted commas. I was normal before that, <laughs> and I had I had. Um, Regular jobs. I used to. I worked in IT. I worked for Apple, Computer, and other wonderful companies like that. I had a fantastic career. I had a fantastic life, and I was always very happy. and never even realised anything was lacking, particularly. But in, then I discovered acting, and that that was the first time in my life where I actually thought, "Oh, this is what I'm supposed to do." Mm. That was, and I was 34, 35 years old already, and um, I never never set foot on an acting i set. never acted or thought about acting a day in my life up until I was living in Vancouver for a couple of years in, uh, in Canada, and and uh, and it just, it just happened. I just decided I needed to do something constructive with my time. I always loved movies, so I tried acting lessons, fell in love with it immediately, and knew that that was going to be what I'd do. And that was probably the first time I ever had that thing that you hear kids say – Oh, I, you know, I always wanted to be uh, whatever,
3: hmm.
2: and I never, I never had that, and I certainly didn't have it with a knowing that I would that I would play a part in making the world a better place for animals. But that absolutely grew in me, rampantly, um, in later years, and 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 particularly in recent years, where it's become everything to me. It's it's my Absolute priority in life and my purpose in life, and that's 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 uh, you know almost to the point of um, <laughs> to the detriment of everything else in in my life because I can't I can't see anything else as being as meaningful or
3: or uh, important as as the work I'm doing with animals.
1: It's quite a statement, and it's it's so noble because it, it is very rare. You know, people usually. Don't they? they want to do things for themselves but to be selfless in this act is something that is really incredibly rare to dedicate one's life to a cause in effect it, it's pretty much really these days I would say it, it's very you know unheard of mostly in society because the world has become sadly quite a selfish place so when somebody like you Dan, comes along and does this incredible work, it makes people stand up and listen and look, and it holds you in a completely different light because you have also now this huge responsibility in a way, isn't it? Mm, Yeah. Uh,
2: Again, I'm incredibly humbled and grateful for your words, but, but, but in reality... And I mean this sincerely. I mean, I, I, it's not just a a sort of a throwaway response to what you said. Mm. It's, I genuinely feel that it, it's, it, there's, there, Selflessness isn't um, isn't a, a motivating force. It's not a it's not a factor because, for the simple reason that it, as I said, it because it burns so fiercely in me.
3: Mm. Can, can you imagine
2: feeling that and then not doing it? Can you imagine how That's rotten that would feel? Like,
1: That's death whilst alive. I would. Imagine.
2: Right. That, would, that That now that would, I mean, I've never experienced it because I've never, I've never not followed this path. But mm. to not do
3: it would be would be devastating to me. So, so that, you know, in that regard, it's. Not, I'm not saying it's a selfish act, but it's certainly. I certainly benefit. I certainly benefit because, because there's nothing more rewarding and fulfilling and satisfying to me spiritually emotionally Mm. and just as a
2: human being there's nothing means as much to me so to do anything else would be to my own detriment and that's a fact you know so as much as I could enjoy for example I can enjoy being on on a film set still Mm. and I still intend to 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 act I'd like you know I'd like to continue with my acting career partly because it's cathartic as well and you do sort of have to immerse yourself in some fairly dark places when you deal with these issues with animal welfare. You know, you do see the worst that humanity has to offer. Mm. Um, and you better be fairly adept at self care because of it. Otherwise, you, you're not going to be much used to the animals or, or yourself, even. Um, but I, I just feel that
3: it, it really gets to a point where
2: to not do it, I'd be the victim. I would be, I would be the victim of of not pursuing this as fully and wholeheartedly as I possibly can. Uh, You know, for 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 so many reasons, it just doesn't. I can't
4: imagine it. I just, I. There's nothing more fulfilling and rewarding
2: to me, and uh, and even even things like the acting that I just that I just mentioned. Hmm. In and of itself, it wouldn't be sufficient if it was just because. Yeah, even if I was—and uh, and let's be absolutely clear—I'm not. But if, even if I was the most respected, successful actor ever, and I won more Oscars and more awards and more respect for, for, from everybody globally than any other actor has ever done, what have I actually achieved or changed? More importantly, what have I what have I changed? How have I made the world the best place? And maybe I have. Maybe, maybe you know, in those movies that you've become so famous and popular in, maybe you've helped people through a, a tough time, maybe you've inspired people. Uh, of course, that's a possibility, but it's a, it's, a, mm. it's a byproduct, it's an accident, it's an incidental thing rather than the, the reason you did it. And and yet, uh, if I continue acting and I, and I have any success and I grow my platform, that right there is my single big, best
3: and biggest chance of growing the, the the platform
2: of people who will listen to me when I spread the message that really matters, which is be kind to animals. And of course, each other. But, you know, you don't find people who are compassionate to animals uh, not being compassionate to humans. Compassion
1: isn't species specific. It, it, if, if people are compassionate, everyone and everything wins. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because it, there is that famous saying, isn't there, where you know, if you want to see the state of a nation, look how they treat their animals. Right.
2: That was Gandhi. And it's one of my favorite quotes. Yes. It's absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely love that, useful. don't you? So it's, 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 it's absolutely wonderful. And I, recently I've been dealing with some issues in India. Hmm. Uh, over the last few years, we had a, a beautiful tigress that was victimized and hunted and killed, uh, labeled a man eater, absolutely unfairly, unjustifiably, by their own definitions, uh, unjustifiably. And it was clearly a. Uh, Something that happened with a with a major agenda being served, uh, and a, clearly that was money. Mm. Um, and uh, but long story short, um, while I was talking to the folks in India, who whose intent was to hunt down and kill this animal, I thought
4: that the single most powerful thing I was able to offer was the, the words of their own late great leader, which was Gandhi, which was exactly as you just said. You could, do, you know, the the greatness of a nation and its moral progress can be judged by its treatment of animals. Yes, yes. Well, and, and and that's not this. That's not the
2: Westerner who's just showing up on an Indian news channel and saying, "Hey, you have to be better." Mm. That's me saying, "No, this is what your guy told us. This is this is what he taught me." Yeah, and he's your he was your guy, and you know, it's so so because I think that's a huge factor. You know, it's not it's it's that that very sort of cliched um. You know, swooping in and saving the day kind of thing, which is which which can cause a lot of resentment. Uh, mm. That's what that's what Born Free is so good at. They empower other people locally. They don't they don't swoop in and save the day themselves. They empower people locally to to invest and benefit from and and protect nature and the environment and the animals in it. Same deal with India. So, and, and it's just interesting that you use that Gandhi quote because
1: that was uh, that's one that I often refer to. Ah. I I like it. I like it a lot. And I think it really is a a true statement. Also, um, with regards to when I, if I want to know, this is one of my things in in life. If I ever want to know what someone is like, I always look at how they treat animals. And if they don't treat animals well, I know, number one, I'm not going to get on with them. It's as simple as that. Um, It really is as simple as that and that is how they're going to treat humans. So there's yeah. a lot to be said for that because animals in their own right are spiritual beings, you know, and people forget that that we somehow have lost the memory of even being compassionate as we were talking about earlier to ourselves, let alone to anybody else.
2: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you it's, it, it, it's um it's impossible for me to see an animal uh, of any kind—the the mice that I described. Even mm. I, I, we were just talking before we uh, started recording. Mm. But the privilege I just had of seeing a baby goldfinch on my balcony railing being fed by its mum, and it's just the just the the presence of these incredible little beings, mm. and they're that—that li- that is, it's only life, and it's it's the most precious thing. To them, and, it, and 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 it should also be to us. It's 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 a you know it's a big big conversation which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, I'm with you. It's it, animals. Animals are all spiritual beings with as much right to
1: be here mm-hmm. to peace and freedom and life mm-hmm. as as we all have. Mm-hmm. And in a way, if we want to see, like Gandhi said, the reflection of who we are, we really should look at the state of the animal kingdom. Because that is a true reflection, I think, of where mankind is at the moment. It, it is.
2: And, and what better time to reflect on that yeah. in the midst of a pandemic, which is, as
4: they call it, zoonotic, meaning it came
2: to humans from animals. And, um, and, and the
3: sad thing is, which, and this, this, is, this, this is the dangerous thing, mm. uh, which and, and when, I, when I say sad, I mean, it's,
2: it's, it's, it's quite a tragic thing to, to become aware of but you need to become aware of it in order to, to change it, which is that as you just said, quite rightly, you know, you can you can judge where we're at morally, spiritually, compassionately, by viewing our relationship with animals, our conduct towards animals, and and with the the world we live in, the society we grow up in mm-hmm. and are conditioned by does such a good job of normalizing absolute horror. Yes. And, and, and it does so by
4: hiding it. Of course, it doesn't It doesn't actually numb us to the horror. It hides the horror. And, and by making it invisible, it, it
2: normalizes the things that we take absolutely for granted. Some people just draw the line in different places. That's all that happens. Some, mm-hmm. some people will say, oh, no, I absolutely wouldn't go to a circus because, you know, the animals are whipped and they're treated badly and they're mm-hmm. left, you know, for hours and kept in cages and transported around them. But the same people will go to a zoo. Thinking that the zoo treats the animals well and that that's any kind of reasonable life for an animal to live, which of course it's not. And and then other people will draw the line they wouldn't go to a circus or a zoo, but they'll happily eat meat. But that's
4: because they don't have to see how the animals are treated and they'll assume cognitive dissonance is an incredibly powerful thing in this regard. They'll assume that the animals had a fabulous life and that, you know,
2: it just suddenly one day didn't know what was happening and it was. It was over now it's on your plate that's not that's not ever how it works and and it, you know from the moment talking about childhood from the moment we're, we're alive in this world, somebody's putting something in our mouth before we have any capacity for thought or decision making or choice. Hmm. somebody's putting a spoon in our mouth and that could very well and probably is animal product you know dairy at the very least and and so. How then are you supposed to get to the age of, let's say, I don't know, four, six, ten, mm. whatever age you might be, when you start to think, hang on, do, does this is, is this right? Should should I should I be exploiting, or should animals be exploited for my benefit for this particular thing that I get to taste? But why in the world would any child ever grow up thinking that? When it's absolutely throughout their entire existence, what they've been conditioned to think is normal.
1: Yes, I suppose it comes down to education, doesn't it? Because if people don't know what's going on, then they can't, somehow the choice isn't there in some ways, because they have to be educated to a point. And I know that you are a vegan, Dan, and it's something that you feel very strongly about. How long have you
2: um, been a practicing vegan now? Well, that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting point, and it's why I'm um, uh, moderate in my, in my attitude towards people, as, as passionate and as strongly as I do feel about it. You're absolutely right. I, I'm very moderate in my view towards people. And the answer, the answer to your question is I've been a vegan for just under four years. Mm-hmm. And yet, within the last 10 years, I've been out, an outspoken advocate for animal welfare and conservation. And so, you know, the hypocrisy there would, would you, is, would, was not lost on me. Uh, at a certain point, I suddenly became aware that I would literally be standing at a, a protest in London, speaking on a megaphone, saying, please help me save this, let's say, the rhino or the, or the mm. lion or the dolphin mm. or whatever it may be. And in that very same day, I would have gone to the the you know the restaurant and ordered a, a, a chicken dinner. Mm. And 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 the, the disconnect is that's that is apparent in that very statement The disconnect was so so strong in a person who I was a good guy you know i was a, i was I was standing up for animals mm. while eating animals and 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 that's that's actually you know as i say one of the reasons why I'm very moderate in my view towards people because how how arrogant and presumptuous would it be for me to then say, well, I got to the age of forty four or whatever I was, 45, hmm. and finally made this decision. And now you have to make the same decision. You have to come to the same realization because I did. It took me 45 years to get there. And hmm. so it would be incredibly arrogant and
4: and, and wrong, I think, of me to, to just say, well, everyone has to make the same choice. Now, I'd love them to.
2: Of course I would. Hmm. I would love them to all come to the same conclusion. And I think people are very rapidly, but but I know for a fact that nobody hounding me, No. Pressuring or preaching to me would have swayed me. In fact, it would have probably turn me in the other direction. Um, you know, I would—I did it. The, the seeds were planted uh, over the course of my life, and, a, and at some point, everything came to fruition. And I was like, "Oh, I need to be vegan." Of course. I need it. And and the, the strange thing about that, thinking about it and talking about it with you now, mm. is it reminds me of just how profound. A shift that was instantly. People always talk about the physical. People when 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 i when people realise I'm a vegan and I train at the gym and I try and keep myself in reasonably good shape. And people, re- generally speaking, people first say, "Well, how do you you know how do you get your protein?" I mean, that's the classic. Yeah. We're always yeah. talks about protein,
3: um, and um, and will answer those questions quite happily. But the, but the most significant, profound, and immediate. Shift that happened to me
2: was the spiritual, emotional, and and conscious shift that happened the moment, not 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 after I'd been eating vegan food for a while, but the moment I decided I was going to be a vegan. Everything changed, and I didn't recognise the previous forty-five year version of myself. From that point on, I didn't is, know. Is that I,
1: dramatic? It
2: was I? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, uh, I don't been in a in a, in a In a negative way, in the slightest, Mm. I just, just in an almost, oh my god! Well, how did I, how did I not do this earlier? And Mm. it's almost as if you woke, you'd woken up from a dream that was so vivid and real, and then you were, you were, you were out of it, and you were thinking back. And I didn't understand, and I still can't understand. I still can't understand. If I give it any thought, it actually, it actually upsets me quite a lot. Where I think to myself. Over the course of my forty-five years before I became vegan, how many animals was I responsible for for slaughtering? You know, it's it's it, and, and that's that's exactly what I that's my purpose in life is to stand against that, and yet I contributed to it for forty-five years, and so that was that's become a that's an incredibly profound moment when I, when I when I decided to be vegan and uh, spiritually more than anything else.
1: But you know. We can, you know, in life, whether that be, for example, being a vegan or whatever else, you know, that we can abstain from. It is a personal journey. And everything comes really in the right moment because everyone, you know, like every flower is different. Every plant is different. We all mature at different times. So, you know, where you know, a rose might mature after I don't know how... Ever many months, you know, and then a daisy would come at a certain point, you know, maybe you know one month or whatever it is. But the point is that you did, and I think that's the important point here: that um, whatever the journey was, you did do it. You did flourish. Yeah, and and I think, the,
2: and, and again, I'm very grateful for you saying that, and it's, and I do feel that, and I certainly don't look back. And I mean, I think it's incredibly self-destructive and, and pointless to have, to have regrets, really. Um, and, and that's mm. not – I mean, yes, I, could, I, wish, I had, wish I had turned that corner earlier, but it's a gift to me in many ways, such as, as I say, the, the, my attitude towards people who haven't and, – and, of course, we're talking about the vast majority mm. who haven't taken that step and may never take that step in this life. And, mm. um, and I can't possibly hold those people – to account, when as I say, I I spent forty five years being a good guy. Absolutely loved, as I said, like, I just just explain to you, I yeah. throughout from my earliest childhood memories, I've always been sensitive to, deeply passionate for animals and their welfare and well being, and yet for forty five years I ate them, and uh, that's not that didn't mean I didn't care. It meant that I was subjected to an incredible, an incredibly good example of just how effective the conditioning. Is that society is subjected to because uh, it's as I said from the moment you're born you're in a society that normalises milk, eggs, meat, fish, all of the things that we take for granted and we never we we never contemplate until we do we never but you know the whole system is designed to 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 hide from us the uh, the realities that go into making those products available to us so. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a gift to me in the sense that I'm now able to, to converse with people. I'm not going to just be throwing a tantrum when someone tells me they're a meat
4: eater. That won't achieve anything, but, but, um, no. I can, you know, I, I, I think that's going to get us, well, I know it's going to get, get us
2: further than, than if I did throw a tantrum. If you, if you, um, if you're harsh with people, human nature alone will, will ensure that they won't, uh, they won't take very seriously what you've got to say.
1: They won't, and you know, they will have, in a way, like you were saying earlier, an allergy to something. Because, in fact, where the journey has taken you, I think possibly, you know, we become more compassionate as individuals because we know our own human frailties. So, you know, when it comes to educating other people to find a better way of living. We are then going to lead by example, and also, you know, some of the greatest teachers have been through some of the most harshest tests in life. So everything in its right moment,
2: I believe. Yeah, I completely agree, and you, you, you know, you've you've articulated it beautifully there because it's and your analogy with the flowers is a good one because, it, as you say, everyone's on their own path, and myself included, hmm. of, of course. There's, there's no nobody's uh, nobody's not included in that statement. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on their own path, mm-hmm. making their journey. and most vegans weren't always vegan. So they've all they've all made that evolution themselves. They've all so they've all taken those steps and, 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 and experienced that journey, that change themselves. Um very few people who've who've spent their entire life eating vegan. And um, so, you know, I think it's a it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting balance because Obviously, knowing what I know, hmm. yes, of course, I wish everyone would go vegan overnight and we would all you stop, stop doing what I know we're doing to, to animals for essentially our taste buds' sake. And uh, But I know that in, in reality that's not going to happen and you, you either get to freak out about that or, or function and operate as effectively as you possibly can with those constraints and boundaries and realities. And that's
1: what I'm attempting to do. We can only do what we can, you know, within what we have. And we can only take people to the places that we have been to. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And patience and compassion for everyone on their journey, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, you know, is really important to find unity amongst us instead of forcing something upon someone. Because as you said, forcing someone or shaming them even, isn't going to achieve anything.
3: It really isn't. And there's a twisted irony in there, which is that, uh, you know, I completely
2: understand the passion and the, the fury. Even there's, there's, there's people who, I know people personally who are absolutely furious with the world in, in so much as, you know, they, they, are, they have made the steps of veganism and they know most people haven't and they will f- absolutely... Fight uh, to the death for, for, to turn
4: everybody vegan, and I can mm. show—I can show statistical facts that will demonstrate that that will have a detrimental impact on their cause that they are so passionate about. This is that this is that twisted irony that I'm talking about. Is yes. that I could even show them that their approach will have a negative effect rather than a positive effect on the very cause that causes their passion and anger and fury in the first place
2: but most of them wouldn't be able to to utilize that information and and, and adapt accordingly they would still they would still feel so passionate about it and so uh, enraged that people were filleting me that they would they would even even in in possession of those facts, that, that it would have a detrimental effect on most people, that you that you would turn people away from veganism rather than embrace them and have them accept it. I truly they believe that they would still continue. Yeah. It, it happens all the time. Mm. It happens all the time. Mm. It's changing, though. I have to say, that is changing. You don't see anything like the same extremism as it still exists, of course. But it's nothing like as, and veganism has become mainstream. You can't. You can't not noticed that everyone knows that veganism is is the, the one of the most rapidly growing lifestyle choices and it is a lifestyle choice it's not a diet mm-hmm. it's a lifestyle choice and it's um it's one of the fastest if not the fastest growing lifestyle choice in the world and um and you can't walk into a restaurant now without them offering you a vegan menu yeah. at the very you know at the very least there's vegan options but you, that that's all changed in the last four or five years. Gosh, I mean, wasn't I lucky? Because this is this is <laughs> pure coincidence. I just happened to have gone vegan at the best time ever yes. to have gone vegan. You've got um, the most choices now, haven't you? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. The choices mm. are absolutely endless. And mm. you've got, the supermarkets all have vegan sections, great vegan
1: options. There's lots of accidentally vegan food. Uh, there's transition products for so those people who, if they miss a burger, I could serve burgers to people. They wouldn't have a clue it wasn't me. And it's... 100% plant-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with same with most products. You can you can they can do incredible things now. It's reasonably healthy and certainly more healthy than meat has been shown to be. Uh, but again, that's all part of the conditioning, and it is and it's, and it gets borderline preachy if I go into it. But it's it's been demonstrated over and over again mm-hmm. that these things aren't actually healthy at all. The people who tell us that they're healthy are the people who want us to buy meat. Well, yes. I mean, at the end, you know, at the end of the day. Unfortunately, as we all know, money is the great motivator in all of this. Always. And um, that's something that I think will probably continue for a long time. The profit, whether, you know, in whatever currency or whatever, is it's about greed, also. I think Uh, a lot of it is you can never satisfy people's um, wants and desires, their needs it's very easy what they need, but the wants and desires of the human being are humongous. Yeah. And incredibly damaging and destructive to yes. everything around us. Um yes. which is uh again it's kind of a, a tragic
2: irony, but I often think about the uh the self proclaimed uh most intelligent species status that we we give ourselves, but you, you have to ask yourself what what level of intelligence would would knowingly destroy its own its own habitat? It's mm. not just its own habitat, mm. but the very the very planet that, that sustains our existence, mm. and, and all for exactly as you described the wants and needs of
1: of humanity and the immediate profit driven wants and needs, not the not the spiritual growth or the mm. you know the, the the bestment of society the the, the 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 uh, you know the growing of a bank account or uh, a share price or a you name it it's all as you quite rightly said it's all about the money it's all about the money and I had a, an incident actually last week I go to see an osteopath and um, they are they've been an osteopath for many years and they've decided you know they're coming to quite a lot of money and you know she decided to give it up. And all that she could talk about that she had given up on all the patients was how much money that she had inherited and how much money she had. And I remember thinking to myself, well, what was the point then of your whole life? You know, not in a, you know, Dan, not in a judgmental way, but what was the point for the past 40 years of your life if? All it was all about was the money. And I had one of those moments where I thought, oh my goodness, you know, it really saddened me and I was upset for a few days about it because I thought, I actually believed and maybe that's me with my rose-colored glasses always, that she loved the work. But it isn't. It was actually to do with the money. And once she'd had enough money, she gave up helping people. And that was wow. sort of... Huge! You know, we were talking about slaps. That was a huge slap in my face because I thought, you know what, Mimi? It's not how you think it is, the world. And I always like to believe in the best of people, always, you know, until they prove otherwise. I'm one of those eternal optimists. But I'm also coming to the realization that actually people have become selfish in their lifestyles so that was quite a shock really for me um do you understand i oh yeah yeah i do and it comes back to that point i made about um uh, you know as much as i enjoy acting Hmm. even if i was the best and most
2: successful actor on earth what what have i actually changed what have i achieved Hmm. for for the betterment of society the world mankind or 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 anything essentially other than myself, my own personal gain and my bank account and my you know fan base or whatever it may be and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I do tend to think that people do people realize this there was a fact I, unfortunately I won't be able to do this uh, the credit it deserves but there was an article not too many years ago a fascinating article um that was uh, put out. That was related to palliative carers who've done some uh, some
4: research mm-hmm. with their patients, and it was a, a really, really insightful article about the the eight or ten most commonly
1: conveyed or shared thoughts, feelings, desires, regrets mm-hmm. uh, on on a person's deathbed. Oh my goodness
3: absolutely fascinating and of course and this is this is a really strange reality of course if i ask that question even those people who are profit driven
2: and 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 driven by you know as you described someone who's driven by the income rather than the Mm. the service that they're providing um even those people probably, if you were, if you were to ask them the question, what do you think those eight or ten things are? They'll come up with things like, I wish I'd seen more of my family. I wish I'd been, uh, you know, given more to society. I wish I'd done more to change things for the better. They wouldn't say, I'll, I'll wish I had a bigger house. I'll wish I'd got a better yacht or, you know, I made more money, had a bigger bank balance. You know, we, what, everyone knows – and can articulate and can totally relate to the fact those things are completely meaningless at the end. You can't take it with you. I mean, it's a cliche. It's so so, so commonly known. But but even those people, I think, and I, uh, and I can explain why as well, I think uh, they they can't break free from that. And the reason why it's exactly the same condition we've talked about already in regards to food. It's the same Conformist expectations that society mm. has on people, which and the conventional life that you're supposed to live in inverted commas, um, <clears throat> which you know, as soon as you break free from that, it's it means you're walking to the beat of a different drum. And and, it's, it's, and if you're not a person who's confident in yourself and you know really um, comfortable in your own skin mm. and and being yourself authentically, that's the key thing for me was authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. Um if, if you're not comfortable with that, and a lot of people aren't, and that's again, that's how society's designed. You're not mm. supposed to be different. You're supposed to serve the system. You're supposed to be, you know, essentially. Um, it sounds a bit overdramatic. You're basic. We're, we're, meant to, we're producing drones to just carry on the that's perpetuate true. the system that exists. That's what. Mm. As soon as you break away from that,
1: it's for you as a person. It's so liberating. Mm. So even if you don't makes as much money, even if you don't actually get to do anything different mm. with your life, but just knowing it, stepping away from it, it's such a liberating thing, it's so spiritually freeing, and uh, and I personally, you know, it's, I'm, I'm now surrounded by people, yourself included, maybe. I mm. you know, I don't I, I don't think that uh, any of us could go back to that you can't, you can't unknow it. Once you know no, it, you can't unknow no. it. You can't. you can't, you can't. And once you're free, who wants to go back to that prison? Well, quite.
2: It's, it, it's, it, it would be preposterous, wouldn't it? Just to, and and I, I, I just had this conversation with a friend very recently. You know, I've, I used to earn more. As I said, I used to work in IT. I earned pretty good money, and I certainly wasn't setting the world on fire. But I would have been on a far different trajectory financially and economically speaking. But I'm yeah. sure how I can I continued with that. The uncertainty in my life is is ever present. I don't know what's coming next. I don't know wh- whether I'll make any money or not. It's, it's, but, it, but, but I have faith that I will. Mm-hmm. Faith, by, by by that I mean you know, for me, it's the universe. As you, you talked beautifully at the beginning about. Whatever it is for you, whether it's God or the universe, or however you label it, mm. for me it's the universe. It's this this unbelievable, infinite source energy that that, that connects people like you and I, for example. And mm-hmm. um, uh, it's never let me down. It's never let me down, and so I've I've never, I've never, had, and I feel like I'm very lucky in that regard. It comes back against childhood and nurture and nature and all the things that we know go into. Creating a person, and, um, and I feel like I was very lucky in the sense that I—it I, wasn't consciously given to me or articulated specifically—but I came out out of childhood into adulthood with a with a sense of well, I can do anything I want, and and that and that doesn't mean I've gone and become a you know a Premier League football player or a, you know the, the Olympic gold medalist or anything. like that. I just mean. When it came, for example, to quitting uh, by then fifteen-year-long career in IT to just try it as an actor, mm. there wasn't any. There wasn't a moment's hesitation in me. There wasn't. A, there wasn't something that was thinking, oh, "Oh yeah, but what if I can't earn the money? What if I can't pay the mortgage? What if? What if?" Because you could spend your whole life saying, "What if?" and I think most people do, and that's why they don't, Frequently, people don't actually explore, never mind achieve their dreams, they don't even explore them. And mm-hmm. Jim Carrey said it. I think it was Jim Carrey anyway. Someone said it beautifully. In fact, I think Jim Carrey said it, but he, he attributes it to his father, who said, you can you can fail at something you don't want to do. So you might as well try something you do want to do. Yes. Uh, and I think that's absolutely beautifully mm-hmm. put. And, it, and I've seen that happen. You know, I had mm-hmm. friends who continued in the IT industry after I left. And played by all the rules and and absolutely on paper were you know, supreme in, in, in business. And then they got made redundant along with a lot of other people. And for all their efforts and all their loyalty to the business and all their, you know, abiding by the rules, they found themselves out on their ear and, and, and then forced into a situation where they either get into a state of desperation or they tried what they always wanted to do. And most of them always wanted to do something else. <laughs> and and uh, it's interesting. And I thought the lockdown, I thought the pandemic and the lockdown um, that resulted would, would be something that would, and it probably is something that's put a lot of people at a crossroads and has made them reevaluate their life and decide maybe it's the time to try something different because life is short. It really is.
1: The blink of an eye. Yeah. Literally the blink of an eye. And um, I was talking to someone the other day, actually, Dan. He was a guest on the podcast, um, Anthony James Mattox. And um, he's a trigeminal nerve um, sufferer. So he had a brain operation. And as a result of that, it has given him literally a new lease of life, but um, has given him also a lot of problems, uh, sort of um, physically and with life. He's had to look at his life again. and But the courage and the compassion that this whole operation had, and he said he didn't like himself, in effect, before. But when he had this operation, he became a completely different person. He became, in effect, the person that he really was, which was the real person. He had a, a, a I think he was a financial advisor. And now he's worldwide... Uh, running, he's making documentaries about bullying and all sorts of things, but he said had that not happened to him, this sort of pivot in his life, he would never have followed his heart's calling. So in a way, like you say, the pandemic, whatever that is in life that happens, that gives us that epiphany, it needs to happen. Otherwise, we close our eyes and it's over so quickly.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, on a granular level, hmm. when you know, when 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 something bad happens, hmm. and I say bad, in inverted um, We're yeah, we're very very good. Humans are very adept at categorizing, labeling, and judging situations and. Um, and and you know the, the, the everybody's life is littered with examples of this. Never mind human history; each individual has, has a life that's absolutely
3: full to, to the brim of examples of exactly what I'm talking about, mm. which is that a, a so-called bad thing will happen.
4: And some bad, some things really are you know very unpleasant. Mm. And of course they you know there's. there's there's extremes of this, there's, there's, there's
2: different levels of this to which you can apply what I'm about to say, but ultimately, with, the, with with hindsight, more often than not, or retrospectively looking at a situation, as per the story you just told, that what, what initially seemed bad felt awful, you seemed like you are a victim of... <laughs> Set a different trajectory, which led to the greatest glories in your life, and therefore, when you look back at it from a you know, different perspective, from that from that uh, position of, uh, of of having the the luxury of being able to join the dots backwards, mm. yeah. was that thing bad, or did it just feel bad at the time? But actually, it was exactly that catalyst you needed, as you just described it. That sent you on a totally different journey, a different trajectory, and led to the best things you're, you're, you've experienced in the, and the life that you're living now, and the better version
4: of yourself that you prefer to the old version, and so on. And, and everybody has those examples.
2: And, um, and uh, you know, and, and I say that again, just you know, that's not to not to be flippant about uh, tragedies and awful things that happen, where you could easily go through life and never know how could that possibly, you know, how could that possibly have served me. Mm-hmm. Um, and there 's plenty of examples of that too, but for largely for the most of us we're're we're, we're, you know we're living incredibly privileged lives and we 're going through difficult times and we're go- and, and life's, life's just like that it's like a it 's a cliche again it's it 's like a roller coaster as they say and, mm-hmm. and I, I see it as a pendulum and and I like the pendulum analogy for the simple reason that when you know, if you if you think of a pendulum and the motion of a pendulum, if it was if if it was in in one half of its range, if it was light, in the other half of its range, it was dark. The, there's only one way it can get up into the light, and that's a good run up in the dark to begin with. Yes, yeah, and vice versa, of course. And that's life, you know. It's just a different way of saying the same thing. as a health, health skeleton. But, um, with that that big pull back and run up in the dark area. Is it bad? Is it negative? Are you a victim of it if it's the only way that you can get the,
1: the, the momentum and the trajectory into the light? Yes, it's like, you know when babies, just before they're born, we are all in the darkness of the womb. Right. And in a way, that's our life. We are in some form of darkness, like you say, and unless we know the darkness, how can we ever know the light?
2: we live in to universal opposites. And, and you're absolutely right. How can we know anything without its opposite? Mm. How can we know silence yeah. without sound or vice versa? Yeah. And how can we know light without dark? And it's interesting, you know, when you, we talked about Gandhi and his amazing mm. quote, one of his many amazing quotes, um, uh, and, and I'm reminded with what we're talking about now, Martin Luther King, uh, his beautiful quote about... Um, Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yes, yes. And, and he also uses the analogy: darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And mm-hmm. it's and it's that that you know. Even though we're having this conversation, and I, and I have this conversation a lot in terms of animal conservation, animal welfare, and the end of. The, the darkness that I alluded to—you, you by necessity, you have to immerse yourself into some extent. Mm. You can't address a problem if you don't know what it is. And to know the problems of animal conservation and animal welfare, you are going to see some ugliness and some darkness. And um, but you—you but you had better not try to beat it with more darkness. Mm. Is and, and another great, another great mind and a great quote from Einstein that. Nothing can be created, sorry, nothing can be destroyed using the same energy that was used to create it. I love that, right? Mm -hmm. Those kinds of phrases and quotes—they get, they get—they really keep me going on the on the on the right path, on the straight Mm -hmm. and narrow. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, it's it's difficult sometimes to 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 maintain that that sense of compassion and kindness and light and love and all the things that we know actually will. Change things for good and
4: and for the long term, but that's the only way it's going to happen. You know, we have to
2: we have to we have to find a way to maintain those those uh, elements of ourselves.
1: And how do you, Dan, keep the light flickering within?
2: Um, I, I, it's it's challenging at times. I have to say, it's, and the last couple of years have been the most challenging for various reasons. Um, it's become more apparent that I need to do it and more important that I do. Um, and, uh, and and as I say that, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm I'm there by underlining it. my own example of what I just talked about. That that each of us has those examples of of uh, of those times that can feel bad that you can feel like a victim of it, and and so on and so on. And, and, uh, and I'm very very much aware of that. And so the way I try to uh, to say uh, light. I guess for one of a better expression is uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to meditate. I try to I immerse myself in nature at every opportunity because I feel like that—that's my real um, haven. That's that's where I reconnect and ground myself and centre myself. And I can I can be in a very dark place and just going for a walk in nature. I don't have to do anything in particular or think or do it or say anything. I can just walk into nature. Um, and and just be. And that, that will change everything for me. That can change everything. Music. Um, what the music I like. do you like to listen to? Well, it's, it's, it's a really. I love it when people ask me that question because <laughs> I could probably guarantee that most people wouldn't have. I mean, in fact, I can't even name half the music I listen to. <laughs> I, I have. So I, I've got a car where I can push a button and say, play uh, epic,
1: emotional, uplifting music. And it will. That's a very clever yeah. car. It's a very clever
2: car, and it's um, <laughs> it's a gorgeous car, and it, it's it's again, it's a part of my, my, uh, my purpose in life. It's an electric car, and it's, it, oh. you know, it's all part. It has, Is I it know, all yeah. electric? Or can you use? Hundred um, percent, yeah. Oh, hundred 100% 100% electric. percent electric. Yeah, but I felt like I had to do that because vegan, uh, vegan in leather interior, hundred percent electric. Okay. again, it's like the whole. Step I took towards veganism, mm. and then I thought, how can I possibly not have done this before? And, then, and the same thing applied with my car. I suddenly thought, what am I doing? How can I, how can I, I like, can literally drive a tank to, a, to an environmental rally? <laughs> Just the irony and the, the hypocrisy of that suddenly hit me. I thought, yeah, well, I've got to go electric. But back to the music, you know. And, I, and often, you know, my my all of, almost all of the music I listen to is instrumental. I have very very little music that has words. Mm. Um, I love the sorts of the emotional, soul-stirring music you hear in movies. Oh, A film lot. scores! I, most of my playlists are soundtracks. Oh, I yes. love music from, for example, the film Gladiator. I love mm-hmm. music from. Um, God, it's so bizarre! I can't even think. For another, you like Ennio Morricone? I love Ennio Morricone.
1: Oh God, I, I love him! Uh,
2: just the John Williams. I mean, they're oh. the great late, great John Williams, and uh, so many. Uh, uh, all all the kinds of music I love are either from movies or they sound like music that would be in movies, yes. but may not be. And it's just, yeah, even, even in the gym, I listen to, where, where I think more, more often than not people be listening to something a little, little bit more upbeat and hardcore. I listen to really powerful, emotional, stirring oh. music that just, uh, I mean, just some of it. When I you talk you about have this to music, share you your
1: to play playlist it. with me. You have to send that through to me.
2: I, I'd be I, absolutely delighted oh, to, I'd love love to hear,
1: hear that. Sing. Have you heard of Kitaro, the Japanese um, yeah. guy? I love yeah. him. Yes, I do. too yeah. Yes, he's yeah, amazing. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I have absolutely got some of his music on my on my playlist, and I have. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a
2: fairly eclectic hmm. collection of music, but within that within the confines of instrumental, powerful, uplifting, emotional, Mm -hmm. very atmospheric. And a lot of the time, um, funny enough, it's how I see and and conceptualize and then subsequently actually write and and create movies a lot of the time is it will actually come from music. So it will start with music that will will inspire a, Mm -hmm. a scene in my head that will then become a script that I write and then I'll be, uh, and, it, and the music can, can can create an awful lot for me in that way. And, and it, and it, and it uh, back to your original question, can also keep me, I think music can affect our mood greatly okay. and very quickly, very mm-hmm. quickly. So we all have days, myself included, where you just wake up feeling anxious or sad or mm-hmm. low or whatever it may be. Hmm. And it's easy, very, very easy. This is the human condition and and the ego, hmm. um, where it's very, very easy to get to spiral down from there. The ego is very attached to those sorts of feelings. It's a very tricky thing, the ego, isn't it? Very it's very tricky. It's very wily. God, it's wily. It's um, mm-hmm. and I don't mean ego in the in the obvious hmm. sense, in terms of like you know. Does my hair look alright, ego? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the ego that doesn't want you to meditate. That will, that will make the try and make you go to sleep because to, to meditate is to start to separate from an eventually mm. and eventually abandon ego. And and the ego knows it and it doesn't like, doesn't like that. And, no, because and ego like, likes um,
1: to be the king, doesn't it? It is.
2: Ego likes to be in control. Mm. And, it, and it will do so, so clever, so yes. clever. And 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 part of that cleverness is that it, when you wake up feeling depressed it, it immediately gets its hooks in and you don't even know it's got its hooks in yeah. it just you sit there thinking you are the one feeling mm. no I'm just going to sit here and be miserable because I feel because I feel miserable I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wallow in that and that's not you that's your ego and the and the and the, the real you is in there somewhere that, and it's the, it's the real you that goes over to the speaker and switches it on connects to your iPhone and then starts playing uplifting music and changes your mood and the, your ego's going oh no what are you doing stop <laughs> it turn it off put <laughs> something sad on oh, to be depressed
4: together
1: and warring this yeah, in it. yeah mm-hmm. misery loves company the ego doesn't want doesn't want to, it wants to be in control like you said and it doesn't want you making your own decisions and, um, no, because, because otherwise then, you know, it's not the king. And uh, exactly. one of the, the funny thing is I was on a few years ago, um, me and a friend of mine, we were in Central Asia. And we were traveling. And it was very, very hot. And my ego was not happy. So right. it made a lot of you know noises and said you know here are you wanting to be so spiritual isn't this lovely and here we are on the road to samarkand 19 hours later but no and we had this whole conversation and i was like be quiet now and i knew it was my ego you know so we had this whole thing on and i think actually there's a book called on the road to samarkand which is amazing because a lot of spiritual things happen along the way and my ego said so you want to be you want to be spiritual do you I said can you just be quiet he said I'm hot (laughs) weird conversation he said I'm hot I said yeah it's fine we've got air conditioning no no I'm still hot I said can you just be quiet he said can I have an ice cream no you can't have an ice cream just be quiet we're in the middle of the desert what are you talking about so we had this whole thing and at the end I said to it listen Mean you are going to have to come to a deal, and he said, "I'm going to die! I'm going to die!" And I said, "Well, you are going to die if you don't listen to me." And he said, "I'm going to die! We're going to die! What are, going to, what are you doing? You're mad!" And I said, "Listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a deal. You're going to keep quiet for the rest of the journey. When we get there, we can have a lolly or an ice cream or whatever, yeah. And then just be quiet." He said. You're lying. And I said, how desperate are you? He said, I'm very desperate. I said, then be quiet. And it was quiet. So by the time we arrived, which was oh, like pitch black, I said, what do you want? He said, I don't want anything now. I said, why don't you want anything? And he said, it's too late. I just want I'll to bed." Expect-
2: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating that you that you use that kind of um, language when you talk about it, because uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Eckhart Tolle's work. Yes. Yes. Or Eckhart Tolle. I'm never sure if it's Tolle. I'm never, or Tolle. I'm never sure how to say it. Uh, but either. Eckhart, hmm. I think he's I think he's reached the status now where we can say Eckhart. And everyone knows who we mean. Yeah, like um, the Queen, he, for example. Like the Queen, yeah, yeah. Um, Only better. <laughs> but um, he uh, he talks about exactly that. He talks about your you should you, you know don't fight your ego. You hmm. should be treating your ego like a toddler. Yes. And uh, and you just described that beautifully. Saying when we get there, you can have a lolly, and uh, and, it's, it, and it and it does it does work in that way, and it mm. really doesn't like it when it doesn't get its own way, and it's. But you know, also we have to keep in mind that ego can be our friend and is absolutely essential to oh, us. Oh, it is our friend if we and use it correctly. About. Yeah, used
3: correctly, exactly. It's mm-hmm. about using it. It's about knowing how to use it correctly. And mm-hmm. I'm not for one second suggesting that no, I do. And learning, neither do I know why. But I suspect I'll be learning for my entire life. Yes. However long that
2: may be. Me too. And, um, I don't, I don't
4: imagine for a second you ever reach
2: a point where you, 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 start, that you suddenly become aware that you know everything. Mm-hmm. If, if, it, if it, I think that's absolutely not achievable. And
1: anyone who says it should be, should be, should be, uh, running the other direction from as fast as possible, I think. Yes, yes. I don't know anything. I, I was walking down the road one day. You know, I lived um, abroad for many, many years, and um, I was walking down the road one day, and it was one of these moments, you know, that you have in life and when you're just cheesed off. And I said, oh, you know what? I just don't know anything anymore. I just don't know anything. And then suddenly, you know, when your heart speaks to you, They said, well, you never knew anything anyway, so what are you talking about? (laughs) And I thought, well, that's true. Wow, I thought, this is really liberating. I actually don't know anything.
2: Yeah, it is liberating. It really is liberating. It reminds me of the the incredible bridge that's been built between spirituality and the scientific community, which essentially is happening through quantum physics. And, And quantum physicists seem to be the least... Arrogant and most humble of all the scientists, because they they will collectively say, uh, very willingly admit that the more they learn, the more they realise there is to learn. Mm. Mm. Um, whereas science traditionally tends to be very much a case of this is, is this is how that that is. Mm. I mean, this is the this is the box that this fits into, and um, uh, and ironically, then of course those sorts of things are, are slowly disproven over a period of. Of, of generations, and uh, as as is the case with most things, even even uh, the speed of light, for example, and um, time and space and all the things that, uh, that seem constant and, uh, and are being shown very rapidly to not be, and, mm. and that's a whole different conversation which you can get Neil deGrasse Tyson on for, not me, but it's it's um, it's just fascinating how that's the, that's the one part of science that seems to be building a meaningful bridge with the spiritual. Hmm. In fact, the Dalai Lama is quite quite a follower of quantum physics, and he really? yeah, he's written a couple of books about uh, about uh, the, the, the connection between spirituality and quantum physics. Because it's, um, it's it's I just find it really quite meaningful that it's the, it's the it's the element of science, it's the area or the discipline within science hmm. that not only is the one that's closest to building the bridges between. It's the scientific and the spiritual, but it's the one that is is more than prepared to say: the more we uncover, the more we realize we don't know.
1: Yes, I'm I'm totally in agreement with that, Dan. Um, yeah. I think there's so much we don't know, and in fact, I don't know anything. Knowing well, exactly. and believing is two different things. Um, yeah. You know, I was once you know I, I saw a lot of wise sages and holy people, and that. On my travels, and I was once sitting with one of them, and there was a lady there, and she was an astrophysicist, and she was really trying to be sort of, um, you know, she was very intelligent. But he was saying to her, "How many moons are there? How many this? How many this?" And she was reading it off, reading it off, and it went on for ten minutes. Very knowledgeable. At the end of it, he said to her, "So, what do you know?" And it was so shocking. She said, "I don't know anything." And he said, so what are you doing? And she said, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and she gave up her job because no. the absurdity of the whole thing of, right. I think I know it, but actually I don't know anything. Um, right. And she gave it up and lived a completely different life, um, a more sort of um, natural life, farm owners and right. everything. Because I think, you know, when you have one of those moments where suddenly – you just think, what the hell am I doing? As you said, you can't unknow it. You know it. Then you've had that moment, yeah. that moment of light.
2: Yeah, and it's—I I guess this, this is kind of teetering on the edge of uh, controversial. But it, there's another great quote, and I—I I have a feeling it might be Mother Teresa. It might be Gandhi as well. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's along the lines of uh, a life not spent in service to others is a life not worth living. Yeah. And I think that the key thing is when it comes to those kind of profound moments in life, those moments of realization, mm. uh, and the one you just described, about the woman who gave up astrophysicist work and, and suddenly – Realise the pointlessness of it. And I'm not for one second suggesting it's pointless, of course, because you know, I'm sure this is, incredible discovery has been made. But, mm. but 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 the point is, mm. if it's pointless to her, it's absolutely pointless. If she suddenly reaches a point, even if it happens overnight, in, mm. the, in the blink of an eye with a question like, well, what do you know? Or if it, if it, if it takes a decade to, to evolve in her, it doesn't make any difference. If she gets to a point where she feels... This is pointless. This is meaningless now. And that's what happened to me. It's a whole different category. It's, it, it happened in a different way. It just happened through this, the slow evolution of the, the and, the, and the, the continual growth of my passion for animals and my need, absolute need. It's not a desire. It's a need to, to satisfy this drive I have, this fire that burns very, very fiercely. On a constant basis, which leaves me feeling completely uh, like I'm wasting my time if I'm not making a difference. Yeah, and 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 not not just you know. Not, I I think it's to a healthy extent in the sense that you know I know I have to take downtime for myself at times, but but I I can't do a lot of that kind. Of, I can't I can't just sit around and do nothing. But where I know that I could be writing a film that may, maybe will. Plant a seed and spread a message in a meaningful way to, uh, you know, to re- relating to animal welfare or something, or that I could be supporting one of the charities or or, or, or involved in uh, as per the broadcast that I'm doing my my live broadcast series, which is to highlight. Yeah, tell us about that. But it's 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 a bit a bit like your your podcast as we discussed in terms of the mm-hmm. driving forces behind it, where the need. That we both recognise to provide people with hope, with inspiration, with a sense of community, in the in the especially in the light of the pandemic and the lockdown and the fact, but the animal welfare community is is a lot of a lot of really really sensitive souls, as you can well imagine.
4: Mm-hmm. And and, it, and you know, they're, they're, it's precarious. It's they're fragile people, and I know
2: that because I am one. And um, it's, it's a lot of these protest marches and events and. Um. Uh, when, you know, gatherings outside uh, national embassies to, to to talk about various different issues around the world, whatever it may be. These these are really these these events really mean something to a lot of people. They, they, that ability to to get together with like-minded people hmm. that, that alone is incredibly cathartic for for folks who who otherwise feel quite. And again, I get this because I am one of them. Like, it's very easy to feel quite isolated yeah. in the world. No, and I don't actually have a problem with that because I quite like isolated. I like I like solitude, and um, and that's that lucky me because um, you know the lockdown suits me quite well. But um, but for, for, for other people, it's not quite so easy. And it's it, and and those gatherings, those events, protests, wherever they may be, are really important to them. And, and not just because, not just for their own good, but also because they the good that they feel that those events serve towards the cause. Mm. And rightly or wrongly, you know, some of these some of these things probably, you know, are beating their heads against the wall. You know, standing outside the Japanese embassy and asking them to stop killing dolphins, we'll do it until we're blue in the face. And, and I and I will always serve and, and support those efforts. But. Um, whether they make a difference is a whole whole different story. But we, we can't we, we're not gonna give up. Mm. But but the point is, these kinds of events are incredibly important and meaningful to the people who, who attend them. And with that in mind, when the pandemic hit and and more importantly as soon as it became apparent just how significant this was going to be across the board, every, it's true for everybody, people being furloughed, people losing their jobs, businesses collapsing. Obviously,
4: the same is going to happen with charities, and the statistics, when you talk about animal charities, are terrifying. This is, It's an interesting phenomenon that happens. If I talk about my focus on animals, there are
2: people who... Uh, and I haven't really got the energy to, to discuss it with them, but there's people that, that, that will say, Why on earth would you focus on animals when there's human beings suffering? Let's not even go there. Mm-hmm. But, the, but that question gets asked quite a lot. And um, one, of the, one of the answers, and there's, there's many, but one of the answers to that question is that at the last count, approximately 1.5% of all charitable donations go to animal charities. One and a half percent. So if you think about that, ninety-eight and a half percent of all money that's given to charity mm. is going to human causes. Which is I'm not complaining about that, but I'm yeah. saying thank goodness for the few of us who are focused on animals, because mm. it's a tiny minority. Tiny minority. And of course that being the case, then knowing those sorts of statistics, I also know when the when the charities Of course, all of them are going to take a terrible hit across the board because who who at the moment is able to dip into their pocket and give a a charitable donation? Some people, of course, still are, and there's some incredibly generous people still
4: doing that, but every charity, just like every business, well, nearly every business, has taken a massive hit because of this. And As soon as I saw that coming to be, I realized that I was going to have to come out of retirement because I'd actually quit social media. Um, and I felt that it was
2: far more important for me to, to serve the cause. And the only way I can really do that at this point is uh, is social media. There's no other way to do it. So I thought I'm going I'm to come back onto social media. I had a reasonably big following on Facebook, um, especially, and it's more quality than quantity because I deliberately collected animal welfare, animal conservation people. Right. So throughout the years I've got – um, I've hit a limit of five thousand friends, but I've got a few, I've, I've got more followers, and I've got a professional pe- page as well. Mm. And we, and between them, I've got a few, a, f- a good few people who care about animals, following what I do, and therefore, and this is the key, because it's nothing. to do, it's not like I've, I'm not I'm not Ricky Gervais with thirteen million Twitter followers. I'm I'm a guy who can who can uh, initiate the ripple effects. That's, that's my strength. Is my is the people around me and the people around them. Yep. Without them, I'm nothing. I'm a, I'm a tiny, tiny, minuscule drop in the ocean. Without those people who follow me on Facebook and who watch the broadcasts and who share my posts, and this, this week I've been raving about a petition that needs to be signed, um, which is uh, staggeringly a, a petition that, that will require vets to scan Dogs that are taken to them to make sure that the person bringing them to the vet is the owner
1: um, huh. before they before they put them to sleep. Because because in this country, believe it or not, it's actually happening. People are finding dogs in the street or whatever, oh. or taking a dog to a vet and saying, "Can you put this dog to sleep, please?" And the vet will without scanning, even if that dog Why would is microchipped. You tell me, and, and so unfortunately, we're having to enforce this oh my through a petition, and the petition's about to hit 100,000, which is great because that's what starts a parliamentary debate. And where can people um, um, sign this petition, Dan?
2: It's right on my Facebook page. It's, a, it's one of the government petitions. One of the, mm-hmm. the, I can actually, if you want me to, I can actually find the. Uh, the, the web address and send it to you, or I can actually yes, say it. so maybe it. we could um, put it um,
1: on the episode we could, as well. That'd
2: be wonderful because it's live until September. Yes, let's we're do that. We're about to hit, the, we're about to surpass 100,000, which mm-hmm. is the key. But the, the point I was making about that, I and mean, we will we will absolutely share that position, thank you for the opportunity to do so. Yeah. It's called Tuck's Law. It's it's called Tuck's Law, and, it's, a, and it's, de- it's designed to enforce that vets will need to scan and check for not just the owner, but the rescue backup. So this is for rescue dogs in particular. Um, Have already been through hell and then uh, subsequently being put to sleep in, uh, in vast numbers. You'd be astonished, and it's are they um, could, uh, uh, those, is
1: it, are they taking dogs that are you mean on the streets? That possibly- no, 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 no. It's a dog that would perhaps someone someone
2: has uh, taken a dog. From a rescue, can't handle it. Takes the dog to a vet and says, "I want you to put this dog to sleep, and the vet will oh, do so gosh. without scanning the microchip, without verifying, because the, the the rescue will be oh, part of this petition yeah. is to say that the rescue will then be on the microchip as well. So if the owner isn't prepared to look after the dog, the rescue will take the dog back and rehome it. Um, oh, that's but but the vets aren't even scanning at all. So, the, so what's also happening is people are. Taking dogs in if they find a dog, a lost dog, <sighs> um, and maybe trying to look after it for a few weeks, and, and then realizing that they're out of their depth mm. and taking it to a vet, and saying, "Here, can you put this dog to sleep?" And the vets are doing it because they're not obliged to scan them. And you, you wouldn't think you'd have to enforce that, you know, with, with that's a, a profession whose whose life is dedicated to making, wow. you know, to helping animals. But mm. you know, that's that's the reality. But the, but it, it comes down to things like that where social media. Hmm. It's so powerful, and I'm able to push that out onto Twitter and Facebook. And thanks to the people, a relatively very small number of people who who follow me, that they will jump into action because of who they are, not because of the quantity. The quality of
1: those people will always share that petition, and they'll always shout about it themselves, and they'll always I'll put share it, out. it I'll share it on the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank I you. will share it also on my um, sites and everything. And thank um, you thank you you know so hopefully as many people can sign that as possible
2: i'd be so grateful thank you i know that the, the, the people who created that position will also be mm. eternally grateful for that because you know it's like uh, once we
3: get past one hundred thousand, hundred thousand, which we, i think we'll do in the next day or two mm. uh, then of course that that's we've done the job in the sense that the debate will take place in parliament and that's all we can hope for mm-hmm. however the thing that it turns to me is,
2: given what this petition demands, and given that we have something—I think, it, if I'm not mistaken, it's 10 million dog dogs in this country. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 10 million people or, or, or more. Uh, I think it maybe it's mm-hmm. six million and four million cats, mm-hmm. so it's 10 million in total. But
4: how is this petition not? already up in the millions. I'm Mm. sure it's only because people
2: haven't seen it because anyone who's seen it would be immediately like, of course we'll sign Mm. it. And all of that comes back around full circle to the fact that I have my uh, my wonderful uh, social media following to thank for the fact that I'm able to, as I say, Mm. uh, create this ripple effect or leverage, I should say, this ripple effect thanks to them and their extended contacts and so on, and uh, which of course is the ripple effect in, in yeah. itself, and um, and it's that that made me think I need to create a broadcast, and, and the broadcast is actually uh, is called Food for Thought Live. So the documentary I'm making is called Food for Thought, and that explores the global vegan phenomenon and the driving forces behind it and it will be hopefully released in the next next couple of months or three. Perhaps okay. that's a bit ambitious given the situation we're in, but certainly uh, we ha- we, we, we're close to finished. Um, and then in the midst of this pandemic, because that's kind of put everything on hiatus, I thought, well, what I can do mm. is create a, a series of live broadcasts, which, I, as I say, is called Food for Thought Live. And what that does, and it, the whole purpose of it from the very beginning, was to give those charities that are struggling that we talked about mm a spotlight to shine that light on the people who are really, really doing the work, who are still out there. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. doesn't matter how many donations they are or aren't getting. They're still out there protecting the animals. The, the Born Free Foundation, for example, we had the, the incredible, inimitable Virginia McKenna on. And we also had Will Travers, her son, who was also a co-founder along with... Uh, his father Virginia's late husband Bill Travers, who, who were the three co-founders of, of the Born Free Foundation. We had Will on as well on a separate episode. I mean, they and they just talk so knowledgeably and eloquently and passionately about all of the causes. And, and right now, that's it's, it's essential that they have that platform. And the, the more, the better. Mm-hmm. Um for all of these folks. I know you you've very kindly tuned in on on my last episode on Sunday with, with Rory Young from Chen Wildlife, who's an absolute Amazing. frontline hero. Yeah. He's a frontline yeah. hero who's putting himself between the bad guys with, with guns and bullets and the elephants that he's protecting, literally putting himself between and taking fire and losing men. You know, they lose rangers. Um
4: mm-hmm. Whether it's to, 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 to gunfire or improvised explosive devices, which are more
3: more more like something you'd expect to find in a war zone, and essentially they are in a war zone. They are, aren't they? Um, they are.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Some of the he operates in some of the most dangerous places on earth: Borno, Mali, Central African Republic. Um, you know, some of the some of the most democratic republic of Congo.
2: You know, incredibly dangerous places. Mm. And, uh, and, and so I felt that it was absolutely imperative, the very least I can do. It. This is why, going all the way back to your beautiful introduction, this is why, why I really mean it when I say, you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for your words, but, you know, it's, I'm incredibly humbled by it because I know the real heroes because my job is to shine a light on them. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can, but goodness me, if, if we have – people like Virginia, who's, who's dedicated 36 years of her life mm. to the, the betterment
4: of the world for animals. And we, we have Rory Young, who's, as I say, taking bullets, literally taking bu- gunfire to protect elephants
2: and other animals in, in various parts of the world, and we, and, and, and others too. I mean, I've mm. had 24 episodes now, and... Um, all of them are heroes. All of them, in their own way. Eduardo Gonzalez is the, the, the founder of the campaign to ban trophy hunting, and you know the trophy hunting community is out to get him. And they, they even, you know, came came after me because of the fact that I had him on as a guest. all these incredible heroes who are literally putting themselves in harm's way mm-hmm. to make the world a better place for animals. Who, of course, they'll never. Be re- they're not, not going to get paid for this. they do not going to get rewarded for it. they do not going to get even a thank you from the animals. They do it because of the goodness in their hearts, the passion that they they build with, and the compassion they have for these animals. and the And the uh, and they're the best of people. And the very least I can do is to is to give them a platform. And all I'm doing is switching on a camera and speaking, or, or more importantly, giving them the. The, the
1: platform to speak, so there's nothing heroic about that. Um, it's just, it's just without and without those people, without those real heroes, I have no, I have no show. I, I've got no series. There's nothing to talk about. It's, uh, it's them. It's, it's all about them. I know, and I, I understand what you're saying, Dan. But you know, and you're very humble. I have to say, you know, um, but you have to take the credit as well, and because it's well deserved. Because you are, in effect, you are a bridge, and that is equally important. Because how would we know about these things? How would the world know if it wasn't for you? If you weren't doing what you were doing and shining your light, how would anyone know?
2: Yeah, I mean, again, I, 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 I'm enormously, enormously appreciative of what you're saying, and it's, and, and I'll tell you one of the. One of the things that uh, all of my guests have said, whose humility knows no bounds, all of them, I mean, they're they're incredible people, and all of them have said it's a team effort. And and Rory included my last guest and Virginia and Will and everyone else that we've had on the show. All of them say the same thing, and they say, without the people around me, this falls flat. I can't do what I do. We we would achieve nothing. And so I understand it is a team effort, but there are those people in the team and I said this to Rory on Sunday as we closed the the episode. I said, you know, it's it is a team effort. Absolutely and I get that and it's and it's crucial that um that we all play our part. And, and, I, and, I, and I really do feel that that's, that's, the, that's the key thing for all of us. I don't care whether you're a, you know, a web designer, an accountant, an actor, a, uh, a, a soldier, or anything else. We all can contribute something meaningful, as well as whatever we do to make a, a living and you know, buy a house and a BMW or whatever it is we're t- t- attempting to achieve. We can also contribute to the... To the betterment of, of the world, and um but, but, but you know what I tried to to reiterate to Rory, who was being so humble about the whole thing and saying, you know, it's so, it's not me. I just he was basically saying what I'm saying, but about about the people around him. But but doesn't change the fact that he is a guy who there's a big difference between uh, between <laughs> the contribution he makes to the team and the contribution someone like I make, albeit that. We all play a, a, a crucial part. Yeah. I I wouldn't swap with him uh, on most days. There's days where I would, but just day, mm-hmm. most days I wouldn't dream. I wouldn't dare. And and we are so grateful for the likes of him mm-hmm. and the likes of Virginia, who with her grace and 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 it's just exuding compassion throughout generations, still inspiring. She to to this day, at the age of eighty nine, inspiring. New generations to, to care about animals, and you know these people are just they're, they're a different world, they're a different level of, of hero, and it's uh, and it's such a such a privilege to to know them even, and to, what, what's been incredible is the fact that the, the the willingness they have without one exception, without one single exception, everyone I've asked once the broadcaster said yes, oh. and. And
3: that's the so, so humbling and so mm. so incredible, and it and it does it, it, it really does
2: underline that team effort thing that you're talking about. But just the privilege of knowing these people, even never mind having them on as guests and being able to showcase what they do. But you know, it's just been so beautiful because um, all of the guests have, have shared their their journey. It's a bit like. You start your your conversations with how this will start for you. I try to give people a bit of context in, this, in the exact same way. Um, and, and, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll get right into the nitty-gritty of what they do and how they do it and why and stuff. But I like to understand how it, Became that for them, because, and of course, with someone like Virginia McKenna, it's an absolutely incredible and widely known story from the from the film "Born Free." Yeah, you know, it's an incredible story to hear from her directly. It was just an amazing episode. And what's been beautiful about it is that sense of community that it has engendered and created and or maintained, albeit in a different way. But that, that that animal conservation community, a lot of the people that I'd see at protests uh, would be the other people who are tuning in every week, and and the people who are sharing comments about how emotional they're finding it to hear these stories, and how inspiring and empowering, and and just exactly what we what we wanted to achieve with it. Because you've got to keep these people focused on the on the. Objective, which is to make the world a better place for animals. And, uh, and you know, at this point, we're all, I think we're all facing challenges today that we've been absolutely unprecedented. I know that's the word of the, the moment, unprecedented, yeah. but it is. It's is. Yeah. We, we've, we've never been through anything like this in peacetime. So for most of us, you know, other than those of us who were alive during World War II, of which I'm not one, mm. we've never experienced anything like this. And never, probably never will again. And it, so it's profoundly significant in, in all of our lives. And, um, and and I think it's bringing out the best and the worst in people and that all we can do, and this is why I'm so deeply appreciative of you doing what you do and so honored to be invited to be on, on your wow. podcast, is that yeah. all we can do is try, as we've discussed, just keep, the, keep shining the light. We, we, we cannot, in darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that mm-hmm. and here we are trying to shine light on on more light you know people people who uh who uh who give hope and inspiration and i think it's a i think it's a very worthy endeavor and, a, and an important part of a, a a collective effort
1: yes and it's it is a collective effort and like we were saying before it's like a tribe of people but the tribe can become bigger and bigger so that Every part of humanity, in some way, we are connected, but we can be touched by all of this and what you're doing and what your team is doing. I believe everyone has their, you know, infinite um, reason for being here on this planet. There's, There's a secret that everyone holds within themselves. And if we, as human beings, can tap into that, we can not only help each other; we can help all the other kingdoms, you know, um, and live in unity as much as we can.
2: I, I think that's beautifully put, and I couldn't agree with you more. And I think I feel like it's um, it's, it's really uh, it, it makes me reflect on something that I that I frequently think about and and try to articulate uh, as best I can, which is this. The incredible reality that we live in, and 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 more so now, you know, in the last ten or fifteen years with with social media, Mm -hmm. ironically, more so because of it than ever before in history, we could literally everything
3: could change overnight. Not even overnight, in the in the blink of an eye. Yes. In the blink of an eye, everything could change It because everything that's happening,
2: all of the all of the darkness we're talking about, all of the challenges that I all of the issues that I try to to, to, to address with, with my animal welfare and conservation work, uh, all of the all of the conscious awakenings that need to take place for mm-hmm. people to become more Compassionate towards their neighbors, kinder towards the environment, towards animals and each other, and, and for themselves. All of the things that we, everything we can talk about, mm. in, in the blink of an eye, in the, moment, in the space of time it takes to have a thought, could change instantaneously. Yes. Because it's a choice. All of it's a human choice. It's people choosing to do a certain thing, to live in a certain way. And They could choose not to, or they could choose to change. They could choose to be better, the better version of themselves. They could choose to grow, evolve. They could choose peace over war. They could choose love over fear or hate, or or, all of it's a choice. And interestingly enough, you know, herd mentality is a very well known and powerful thing, and and that's why I mentioned social media because more so now than ever, everything could change in the blink of an eye. One one tweet. From the right person that resonates, mm. and, and and talk about ripple effects, you know that could change things overnight, literally, and and does it sometimes does, you know sometimes it's a slightly slower process, it's a petition, it's a it's a movement, it's you know that David Attenborough and his mention of, of plastic pollution, all of a sudden everyone's thinking about single use plastics. Mm. Um, and, and the recycling thing took, took a couple of decades to happen. You know, my, my generation came through thinking,
4: learning about the importance of recycling. You know, We're just starting to wake up to it. And, and so that's a slow burn. But, but these things are happening all the time. And just, it's just about when they drop and how fast they drop. But everything could drop. Everything could happen. Yeah. Everything could change. All the, every, And, we, and the, the crazy thing about it is that we have in the palm of our hand, literally, mm. by which I mean our phones, we in the palm of our hand have the ability to change everything and choose to take selfies instead.
1: I know, <laughs> so, I know. Or, or of your dinner. <laughs> of, the, of your dinner <laughs> and to and, and moan about the train being late. But mm. that's the – I honestly believe that in terms of – of, in terms of a
2: conscious shift, mm. so social media has the potential to be the, the the catalyst that changes everything for the good, but it can be used poorly and, or or just misused completely, and and that's what unfortunately we're seeing because of the human condition. People, as you just said, people are much more inclined to take a, a photograph of their dinner mm. or a gym selfie or a pout or whatever it may be. Mm. Uh, to, to portray this image of themselves that they've, of course, are deriving all their self esteem from, which is why it's just that's it, ego. we just they're just they're just yeah. satisfying that need, yeah. and it,
4: meanwhile, it could be, for example, that everybody would, would, would and it would take about a minute if, if everybody
2: could just say, "Oh my goodness, look, there's this there's this petition to say." that dogs can't just be killed by vets without the vet checking first. Mm. Who, who wouldn't, other than a, a psychopath, who wouldn't sign that? But, and as you said quite rightly, it's not that people don't care; it's that they don't know about that. Most people would. Even if they, I, I put a tweet out this morning that said, "If you if you have a dog, or in fact if you know someone who has a dog, in fact if you even know what a dog is and have yeah. ever seen a dog, you need to sign this petition." Yeah, because when you rationalize it, there's not one normal sane person that wouldn't sign this petition to save the lives of innocent dogs. Why wouldn't they? Of course they would. They just haven't seen it, and that's because people are not, that's, they're not using it for that. But it's that tool was right there in the palm of our hands, and it's free. It's free. We do not It doesn't cost us anything to, to make the world a better place. We, we just get to do it, but that's not what people are focused on. And that's the part where we where we have to keep doing what we do. And um, I'm sure, like me, if even if you had a crystal ball, and like I get partly gets a sense that you probably somewhat do have a crystal ball, you seem to know a lot
1: about um, you knew a lot about me anyway. Um, the, um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, that's uh, another story for another day.
2: <laughs> absolutely. The the um the if you I think like me if you could see. But in the future, mm. what you know, whatever whatever strides, whatever progress we're trying to make, if we, if, we, if you could see in the future that you fail, I don't think you'd change anything. I don't think you'd hang your boots up. I think you'd continue to I know for a fact if I was to, if someone said to me, Look, here, I hate to tell you this dude, here's a crystal ball, mm. this is your future, the animals still get it in the ear and nothing changes and actually it gets worse. I would all that would do is make me fight harder for the rest of my life. Yes. Not because I think I can change the future, but because on principle, I know I'm shining the light in the darkness and I'm not going to stop under any circumstances. Even if I know
1: it's futile, I'm never going to stop. But there's always hope, Dan. And I, don't think, it, I don't think it ever is futile. And someone said to me no. a really a, a famous quote by Jesus, actually, and I never understood it. And it was when I was young and they said to me, do you know what Jesus said? And I said, no. And apparently he had said, even if you know the world is going to end tomorrow, plant a tree. Yes. Yeah. And Jesus. it's the act of planting. But you know, we have these phones, we have technology, but one of the most important things that we forget is that we have ourselves and we are far more powerful than we could ever imagine if only we would turn the power inside and then emanate that outwards towards humanity and, you know, animals and the plants and our planet.
2: So, again, it's beautifully put, and I'll tell you, it's far better than I did, but the, the exact point about the choice we all have, mm. that's a choice that can be taken for each individual to just be gentle to, to themselves, the world, everyone around them. Simple. Yeah. Be nice. You, you could literally, you could, you could fix the world's problems with two words and in, in, in six letters yeah. in total. Just be nice. Yeah. Just be nice. Be
1: I'm nice. respectful. And respectful. But you know what, Dan? I realise this, and I'm still realising this, because I'm no sort of guru or no saint, but unless... We are kind to ourselves. Firstly, it begins with us. Unless we're kind to ourselves, unless we really respect our own heart, our own soul, we can never respect anybody else. It's impossible.
3: Or get respect from anybody else. No, it's right. It's it no, with us. It's it's a it's a crucial element, and we, we've we uh, a bit of a theme for us tonight has been quoting the great uh, great. People who uh, who
1: say it better than I certainly do. And Buddha, mm. uh, one of the one of my favourite quotes is: um, "If your compassion doesn't include yourself, then it's incomplete." I I, I know that one. I love that one as well. It's,
2: it's, it's perfect, and, yes. it, and it's absolutely true. And mm. it's exactly what you're saying, which is self care is a, is essential, and especially now, mm. especially now, because you know this is brutal right now. There's lots yeah. of people are suffering in mm. ways that they can't even comprehend and, and uh, lots, you know, as, uh, as I'm sure you and I are on the same page about the collective consciousness
3: mm. and the, mm. the power of that and the, yes. and the collective conscience right now is obviously taking a bit of a battering um, very divided
2: nations like our own and the United States in the midst of You know, at a time where arguably we need to come together more than ever, Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's this phenomenon that often happens in the in the face of a disaster, you see the most beautiful acts of kindness and community and. And selflessness in the in the face of things like earthquakes and tsunamis, and it brings out the best in people. Even even you know minor things like you know heavy snowfall, and then suddenly you know the neighbours are shovelling the yard for each other. They've never even spoken before, but they're shovelling shovelling the front path for a woman who lives mm-hmm. next door who's a bit a bit doddery mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. And and right now we're, we're probably seeing uh, again, uh, other than wartime, which is a whole different. Dynamic and energy, anyway. But right now, we should be more than ever coming together as a as a as a species. Yeah. And uh, but we're seeing a lot of divisiveness, a lot of and a lot of divided people. And um, and I do, I just think it makes the point. Is it, as you've said, and uh, uh, as Buddha said, you've got to be kind to yourself to get through all this. And uh, we've got to keep shining the light. But it starts with us. It starts with our, with ourselves and. Because, we, we, and we talked about this before,
4: we were recording the mm. fact that if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not going to be used to, to anyone or anything, mm. including our cause that we're mm. fighting for, mm. will serve no purpose. And it comes back to your pendulum, which always reminds me of the
1: equilibrium, you know? It's like the spirit level. Uh, there's a point in every pendulum, it has to swing on something, but that point or a compass point in fact that has to be firmly rooted in the ground there has to be a certain rooting to the earth which for example is our ego because that's connected to the earth that deals with things such as I don't know hunger and lust and this and desire to reproduce and all sorts of things like that that can get very complicated in life Um, and then we have this ethereal sense of ourselves which is the soul and each part of that has to be imbalanced, because if one is pulling, everything in life is either, you know, as they say, pulling or pushing, and we have to find the middle, and we are that middle. This is us as human beings. We are the point of the compass. We are the equilibrium.
2: Yeah. It's it's um, It's a really lovely way to... Visualize it as well. I think it gives you that—the that just the, the the visual of what you just described actually provides some grounding. Mm. It's a, it's a nice—it's uh, kind of a visual affirmation that. Uh, that I, uh, and I think it's—it's it's no. coincidence you're saying that to me because I think it's exactly the kind of thing I need to hear. Because you know, I, I, like anybody else, I have my—I have my I have my, uh, my days where I struggle with it. It's challenging. Yeah, we all do. And um, and in order to be of Use of service to whatever it is that we're that we're uh, aiming to to serve or to achieve. In my case, the animals. and mm. um, we, I've got, I, Again, it's another beautiful quote, and in fact, a beautiful painting that a friend of mine gave me when I when I mentioned this quote to her as being a a favourite of mine, which uh, which re- really resonates deeply with me. I'm looking at the, the painting that
4: she. Uh, she gave me quite an incredible serendipitous moment where uh, and this
2: is uh, an artist I recommend everybody uh, seeking out her name is Emily Lamb and she's incredible she's she's connected to another world Mm. Uh, quite and it's quite obvious in her art and uh, words that she Speaks and, um, and writes with her uh, posts and her art. She's she's actually the granddaughter of David Shepherd, who was the founder of the David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation, and he was of course a great artist who dedicated his life much mm-hmm. like Virginia McKenna. In fact, he dedicated his life and his his uh, his profession, which was art, to mm-hmm. give back to animals. and The David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation is an incredible uh, charity that does unbelievable work for, for species around the world, but. A lot, quite heavily focused on elephants, but very much not only elephants. Um, Emily, his, his granddaughter, is an incredibly gifted artist, and she's really well worth Google. You look, will be astonished by her artwork; yeah, it it's so well. just so yeah. incredible. And what you have to do is, if she's one of those artists that you'll look at it initially and, and think, "Oh, it's a lion," and then you oh, and there's a Maasai woman. Oh, and there's a sea eagle. And, oh, look, over there there's a leopard. And, uh, and then you'll see it. And then suddenly you realize the whole thing. Mm. Is just a, it's just absolutely astonishing art. And she, who I love dearly, has become a very, very dear friend of mine recently. And uh, we had a conversation similar to the one you and I are having mm. um, uh, about all matters spiritual and so forth. And I, and I mentioned this quote that means so much to me, which is, dare to reach into the darkness and pull someone into the light. Oh. and she sent me an incredible painting that she had already done, hmm. almost based on that phrase, which is this incredible, I'm looking at it right now, which I wish I could describe it, so it's kind of an abstract, uh, half of the, the, the canvas is dark and half of it is light, and in each there's a figure and the hands reaching through, and it was just the most incredible, and it struck me as... I mean, what an incredible gesture from her to give that to me. How Um, beautiful is that? How how beautiful, and how beautiful is the the, the quote as well. Dare to reach into the darkness and pull someone into the light because that's what we have to do more than ever right now. Right now, there are more people Mm. than ever. People who were in the light a couple Mm. of months ago are currently in darkness, Mm. and they need need support, Mm. you know. Um, Mm. And so do we. So, you know, we'll find maybe not 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 um as persistently, but we'll have dark days where we could do with a hand of friendship coming from the light and all those good things dirty, you know. Absolutely. That's what we have to do and that's what that's what it feels to me like that's what this situation globally that we're in right now, that's what it's offering us. A friend of mine said to me at the beginning of the pandemic, I think this is gonna facilitate the conscious shift that we so desperately mm-hmm. need. And I and I wish I believed that. I wish I I wish that I I wish that was correct. I wish it was the case, but I didn't think it was the case. What I felt was going to happen, that I feel, has happened, and we're seeing it um, in in no small measure. uh, Is the is that the situation hasn't forced anything, but what it has done is it's put us all at a crossroads. It's put it's not even a crossroads. uh, uh, You know, there's there's, there's infinite directions we can go in, but, but basically we have choice. It's putting us in a position of. Being able to choose, and, and it's I guess easier to think of it as a crossroads. And and my concern, my fear was that mm. the people who were on a path to, towards you know whatever it may be, there's negative greed, mm. um, lack of compassion, apathy, probably the worst worst um, culprit of them all. Um, people who were on a dark path would stay on the dark path. People who are on the the, the right path, the light path would, 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 would stay on that path, but people would go about that path more enthusiastically than before. And that's, that's what I'm seeing. Is And that would explain things like all the, the, the destruction we're seeing in terms of the kind we've never seen before, where people suddenly, you know, masses of people descend on a beach and leave 12 tons of rubbish behind, which is just astonishing. Selfishness and, and carelessness and thoughtlessness and it's just bizarre to me. But as well as that, we're seeing incredible acts of beauty and kindness and altruism and, and compassion and mm-hmm. and those are the ones that we, we I think we need to focus on and me included. You know, I, as per this conversation, you can hear that I'm not unaware of the, the darkness and I'll go there. Mm-hmm. I'll go there. And I need to obviously need to be conscious of not saying there, if, if, you know, if we get get into those sorts of uh, mindsets or conversations, and and especially, I think it's a, a responsibility we have in a forum like this where people are listening, and they could easily tune in and think, "Oh God, yeah, mm. actually, this is a yeah, things are pretty pretty bad." Well, yeah, they are, but don't forget the pendulum, and mm. and we and and so it could be it's a gift. It doesn't. It's not different rules. If it's, you know, on a global level or just on an individual level, it's the same pendulum, it's the same principles, the same concepts. And this could be us just hitting rock bottom as a, as, a, as a species and we're about to push off and go further up into the light than we've ever been before because of this. Because of this, because of all the difficulty, because of all the, the uh, adversity that people are facing, the challenges and the, the, the struggles and difficulty, if, if because of those things, we can retrospectively look back in you know, a month, a year or a decade from now, and we see that we're, we live in a more beautiful, caring, compassionate, considerate, kind society and world. Well, the, then the history books will soon refer to the pandemic as being the best thing that ever happened to the to the human race, and that's just an
1: example. But that's 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 life, right? Yeah. That's yes. that's yes. the choice we have with everything that's right. happening in life, including the big big things like the pandemic or the small things that happen to us on a day to day basis. But every moment is a crossroads, in a way. Every moment. Every moment. Every moment is a decision, as you said. You were talking about the phone, that we have this powerful thing in our hands. But imagine the power that we have to make that choice, as you said. Every single moment of our life, we decide what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, How empowering is that? It's incredibly empowering. I think it's the the, the empowerment that people... I want to say that they they crave, but I don't think they even. I think the
2: world does such a good job of making them think the conditioning is so powerful that I don't think people crave that empowerment. I don't think they crave that freedom because they don't even recognise it. They don't see it as an option. So people in jobs they're not crazy about aren't craving. Some of them are, but most of them aren't craving. Liberation from that and, a, and, a, and a, the, you know, the joy of finding their passion and, and, and fulfilling it or trying it even it doesn't even have to work and it would be, it'd be a better life than, a, as, again, Jim Carrey's dad said, you can fail at something you don't want to do. Mm. And so, yeah, absolutely, every moment's a choice and every – all the great, Thought, thought leaders and thinkers and mm. uh, and and gurus said this. It's and it's hilarious in a way. How I've seen this in my own life, where I've I can go forty-five, nearly fifty years, and go and think, oh right, yeah, yeah. They, they the gurus well they said that, I get it now. Mm. And you think, well, yeah, that's that's why for two, three, five thousand years, whatever it may be, they've. <laughs> their quotes have survived yeah. and are still used. It, it's just we just catch up. We just and I'm terrible at that. I'll, I'll suddenly be like, "All oh, right, yeah, that's amazing. That's brilliant." Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was always brilliant. I just wasn't ready to. I wasn't ready to learn it, and and that's that again. Another great, great. Uh, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't be throwing these quotes around without being able to attribute them into those. Who actually uh, said them? But I can't. I don't know who, who said this one. But um, the, I think it may have been Eckhart. But um, when the when the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
1: Was it Lao Tzu?
2: Yeah, there you go. No, I do don't know, I'm mean, just guessing that. It could easily, I mean, that's what I mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't. I should, no, it I should doesn't know matter, it's things. the wisdom, it's the wisdom behind uh, it that's important. Yeah, and, it's, uh, and it kind of just underlines the fact that and a teacher doesn't necessarily come in the form of a person, it could be a poster, it could be a piece of music, mm. it could be a, a film, it could be anything, it could be a, a vague familiarity you sense mm. in someone else that you, mm. that, that you think, ah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by that. I'm going to take a leaf out of their book or anything that could be the teacher. And, um, and I just feel like it's that exactly that point you're making that we're always at the crossroads. There's always a choice that can be made and it can. And, and, and the thing that, because I'm maybe it's not always clear, it's not always as obvious as, well, there's light or dark, there's right or wrong, there's good or bad. It's not Mm. never, it's not always that clear. Sometimes it is, but it's not always that clear. Mm. And when it's not, I just use the, uh, I have a crystal which I hold in my hand, which I I associate. I've got various crystals which I, I, I don't, I'm sure that, People who are into crystals would be.
1: I love crystals.
2: Uh, uh, so you'd, you'd probably you probably be uh, be um be outraged. I just I like I, like I have a crystal that I, I just like the the colour of it represents love and compassion for me, or one of them represents focus, or one of them represents uh, tranquility, and I will just hold them. one of them in particular, selenium I think or selenite. It's beautiful. The white, white. one white crystal yeah mm. and it's, um, it's what I associate with my higher self and it's the one I, when I'm looking for assistance in a decision I just always revert to the same question which is which, one's, which one serves me and helps me towards becoming a better version of myself than I am today mm. and, uh, that's, and that's how i make a decision if it's not abundantly clear which way I should go because uh, <laughs> what else can we do
1: Yes. What else can we do? Because ultimately, if we could get to the rawness of that question, what is it that I need to do to get to the real me? Right. The real me is the one that can live a life of joy and abundance. Because the suffering is, I believe, and I'm no guru, as you say, but I think the suffering for me personally would be not to follow my life's vocation. Right. That would be the greatest suffering and right. the greatest punishment for myself. I, yeah, I, uh, that, that resonates deeply with me. I think I, I, can, hmm. I can wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And it's um, it, it does feel very much like a, um, a case of we, we, we talked earlier about authenticity. Mm. It's not honouring that authentic version of you that that uh, that, that is that is there. So mm. It's always there and eternally patient, waiting for you to to, to, to realise it and to and to live it. Mm. And 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 as you say, it's a, I suppose the challenge is, is even knowing it exists. Never mind finding that,
2: mm. but yeah. authentic. But I think it's we We live in a world where people look outside of themselves for the answer to everything and you've alluded to this beautifully tonight a couple of times that the answers all lie within it's it's actually it's not in the palm of a hand in a phone at all it's in our stillness it's in our groundedness and centeredness and 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 uh silence and uh, and that's so easy to to lose sight of especially in the world that's driving you Constantly to distract yourself, to buy stuff, to watch something, to go somewhere, do something—it's it's its constant, and it's and it's increasingly difficult to to uh, to recognize the value and the importance of, of going within. The answers are all within, and in still uh, it comes back. to why uh, you asked about self-care? My my solace, my solitude and my, my haven is nature because that's where I can just disconnect I can be still and, and I think that's the it's, it's an interesting word disconnect because I think that's the problem We're so, we've become so disassociated or disconnected from our authentic selves mm. Mm. And, and this kind of ironically it it, it, talk, it talks to the fact that we have we've got this idea even, even people who are on a spiritual path, even seekers like us, hmm. can easily feel like, in fact, that word is a good example, but I'm talking about seeking something, which suggests something outside of ourselves hmm. more than inside. But well, of course, you can seek something inside too. But it's it's, it's actually like, if you look at it from, from the perspective of a child, if a child... I don't believe the child is born with anger or rage or racism or hatred or intolerance or all the things that make this, the world an ugly place. Mm. I think they're born inherently with, you know, com- with compassion and ca- kindness and tolerance. And if you if you if you put a, a young child in front of a a puppy, mm. hardly likely they're going to think, oh, that would make a nice hat. Yes. Or, or something. You know, they're not going to think that. Not, oh, I could, I could, if I could get a female, I could breed them and sell them. They're not going to think that. They're just going to think, oh my God, I want to love it. I just want to love it. And, and they'll, you see children being given puppies and they'll cry, cry tears of pure joy. Yes. It's one of the most beautiful things you can ever see. And, and this, one of my favorite words is tabula rasa. Oh, what does that mean? Tabula rasa is the state of consciousness of a, of a newborn being that before it's polluted and conditioned and and uh, and affected in any, any way by it. so it's pure spiritual consciousness.
3: And it, when it's first arrived in its most pure state, How like beautiful, you know, wow, beautiful is it? Oh, tabula I love rasa. it. I love it. Right, and if you if you
2: imagine tabula rasa. Mm doesn't need to be taught anything doesn't so and what this, what i'm getting around to saying is when it comes to things like authenticity when it comes to our true purpose our highest self the best version of ourselves mm. we are it but, we've, but it's been it's been clouded and polluted and layered over and over again with things that cover it and mask it but the point is it's in there it's not outside it's in there mm. it's not not about going out and learning something we didn't know. It's about remembering something that's that's inherent in us. Mm. All of these things, compassion, kindness, goodness, stillness, silence, all of it, it's in us. It's just, and it's actually stripping away those layers of reality TV, shopping, job, you name it, all the superficiality of life. Mm. It's It's underneath. It's underneath all that stuff, and it doesn't even mean you have to give up that stuff. It just means you should start to search within, to start to search underneath it all for the deeper meaning. But of course, you've got to want to. You've got to want to. There's no no point in. There's no point in again. If the teacher isn't, if the student isn't ready, the teacher won't appear. And again, the teacher could be. The stillness of meditation it could be nature. It could be bit, they're there all along. Just the students are ready, they won't see
1: it. And that's part of the whole spiritual journey because I know people have this connotation, don't they, Dan, where you know, when you mention spirituality, sometimes people have completely the wrong impression about it and they will think it's sort of incense and this and this and this. And partly, yes, it is. I mean, in any case, but we are spiritual beings having... That famous quote, you'll know, having a human experience.
2: Uh, yeah, I love, I love that so much, and it's one of it's just like your um your your point you made earlier on about the uh, being that you know that point at which the pendulum has to be grounded. Mm. And what you just described there is also one of those things that <clears throat> you know, we we spiritual beings having a human experience, that's one of those phrases that can, can sense to me instantly.
1: Yes, because it it's the really really atheist that said that. I can't remember, but it's something uh, yeah. totally, everything then suddenly makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. If you yeah. know, as you said, we know who we are. We know why we are here. We just need a reminder. We need, to rem- we need to. remember. Yeah. We need to. Yeah. We need to. It's, it's about remembering
4: and getting back to our true, true purpose or tr- our true authentic
2: self.
1: And what's the magic um, ingredient?
2: I think. I think. I mean, it's hard one to to um, quantify in Do you know in what in I a think Simple way, but I think silence and stillness is yeah. the magic ingredient above all else, really, wherever you find that, I think it's, because, because anything else, to Mm. to an extent, is distraction. And I'm not saying everything else, Mm. because, you know, there are things that will help. So, you know, for example, I find it really helps me to get into a meditative state if I use music, as I've said. Mm. But, um, but maybe, maybe I'm, I'm actually holding myself back and maybe sitting in pure silence would be far more profoundly helpful to my spiritual journey.
1: You could try that. I've tried I I, have. I you know I you know Andrea Bocelli Bocelli he wrote yeah. a book and it was the music of silence and I totally understand that because I have a friend and he said to me you know what you should do every day you should say to yourself I really love you and mm. I said should I? And he said, yes. I said, I do love me. And he said, no, you should tell yourself because sometimes the soul and the heart and the body forget. So I did this little exercise and I do it every day now. And actually, it's made a huge difference, Dan, because I say, I love you. Don't worry. I do love you. And it's sort of very comforting But the realization and the presence of pure
2: love and i think unconditional love yes yes that that. yeah and that's probably the easiest way interesting isn't it that's fascinating i've never i've never thought about it that way before until you said it but that's probably the simplest way to practice and experience unconditional love Mm. um and, and,
1: and crucially important, I agree. I think it's it's really important. It's probably something that, that many of us, myself included, could benefit from and should benefit from because it's uh, gosh. I mean, don't we, we aren't we harsh on ourselves? I speak to myself mm-hmm. in a way I'd never speak to anybody. Yes, me too. When there are not, there is nothing. I heard this quote: "There is no one that can be more cruel to us than ourselves."
2: Right. I mean, I I I, I caught myself doing it the other day. I I. I dropped something, or mm-hmm. I, I can not remember what it was. I, I, I turned around and I don't know—I had a watering can in my hand or something. And I turned around and clipped the tripod that my camera was standing mm-hmm. on and spilled some water. And I went, "Idiot!" And I thought, "Oh my god, yes. it, there's not one person on this planet that I would say that to if I saw them do that. Yeah. That I would—you know—I might—I might say it tongue in cheek." As a, as a, jest, mm. but, but I didn't say it tongue in cheek. I mean, she kind of said it spitefully. I said, "I oh, idiot." I kind of, I thought, "Who's that? That's horrible! What a nasty piece of work!" I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. speak to somebody else like that. And I spoke to myself like that.
1: Are you going to That's try the good. love experiment?
2: You bet I am. Starting today.
1: Yes, I've been doing it now for about two months, and I do feel actually, Dan, completely different. So when, something, when something, say, for example, um, I'm in pain or I'm feeling bad, I just say to myself, it's okay, you know, we're going to get through this and yes. I love you and I respect you. And every single atom, you will, you will really feel this, I'm sure, every single atom in your body, in your soul, begins to rejoice because it's being recognized for the beauty that it is.
2: What an absolutely beautiful concept and idea and, 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 and way to put it. And what a beautiful suggestion as well. And It, it made me immediately think mm. of an incredible experiment that was uh, quite famous. You're probably aware of Dr. Emoto from Japan who, who was the guy that did the experiment with the water and the crystals. Ah, yes. Uh, about the, the water having a memory. Well, about the water being affected by emotion and right, and wor- even yes. words. So they had, them. Um, they had, they had two bottles of water mm, mm. and on one bottle they had the label with the word hate. And on one of them, they had mm. the bottle, the label saying love. Yes. And, uh, and the, and then they would freeze the water and take photographs of the ice crystals. And it was absolutely staggering. There's a book. You can actually see a lot of the images on, online, free of charge anyway. Um, but it's absolutely fascinating. And also, if, if anybody's aware of the incredible film, which actually, it's a film that goes some way to talking about, very, very well actually talking about the the concept I spoke of earlier, the the bridge between science and spirituality with quantum physics is a film called What the Bleep Do We Know? Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely incredible. It's an incredible film, especially Mm. for somebody like yourself on a spiritual path. It's it's an extraordinary film um, which which really really, uh, brilliantly demonstrates what I'm talking about with regards to the bridge between you see exactly why there's a as an element of quantum physics that is mm. in well into the spiritual camp because it's inexplicable in in, in extreme ways, and mm. um, in that film, the Dr. Emoto's uh, work features, and, they'll, and they'll, sh- they'll you see some some great examples of it where they they had uh, they had people shouting at and and and, mm. and being nasty to water. and they had some Zen Buddhist monks
1: blessing. Some water, and they, mm. and they, and again, one of them, the, the crystal structure of that water that was shouted at, looks like an oil spill, and the one that the Buddhist monks blessed, the Zen Buddhist monks, mm. looks like the most beautiful snowflakes you've ever seen in your life. Mm. And and the reason I mention this is because we human beings are somewhere in the reach of seventy-five to ninety percent water. Yes. Yeah. So what you're saying about you know you tell yourself you love mm. you and every atom in your being changes that would make absolutely perfect sense and we can all see that happen mm. you know when we're talking to someone about something that makes them feel angry or resentful or whatever mm. they jealous anything negative and uh, they're, and their their entire being changes and then you say hey tell me about your uh, your rescue puppy. Mm. <laughs> that, i'm smiling even the, as you say that there you go, now there you go just because shift it's, you said a, it's a complete shift it's a complete shift, it's yes. a complete shift. and it's and, and obvious it's very obvious when you think about it and you know we we're we, wherever it is 70, 80 90 percent water it's mm. uh, it's kind of a no-brainer really when you think of it like that how beautiful as and, uh, you know our chat has been absolutely beautiful and I'm so grateful, really, Dan, for you coming on today. It's amazing. You're amazing. I love your work. I love what you do and what you stand for. And I could talk to you for 50,000 years, really. As you know, we've already spoken for 4,000. We've got to, you know, sadly, um, it's not goodbye, um, sort of it's farewell until we meet again, but as we come to the end of the show, I would like to ask you, I always ask my guests this, what words of wisdom would you give to people in these times that have helped you through your life? In a paragraph.
2: What, what a wonderful uh, what a wonderful question to end on. Uh, and there's so many answers to that question and of course the idea is to give as you say, a paragraph at a a way a a nice succinct way Hmm. yeah I mean I think I I think what I would say especially in this time of strangeness shall we say Hmm. challenge struggle uh, and and just profound the profound nature of the the times and the world we live in Hmm.
3: uh, I think that one of the one of
2: the easy situations or habits to fall into is that position of victim, and I do honestly believe, as 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 somewhat counterintuitive as it may feel, certainly as we as per that conversation we had about ego doing a good job of getting its claws in and making you think, you know, you want to go a certain way when. When perhaps your best, well, definitely the best thing if you wouldn't be mm. in this in this current time. Mm. I think the single best way that we can serve ourselves is to ask how we can serve others. I really do, and I think, as I say, it might sound counterintuitive, but I think that I love that you can't you can't give something you don't
4: already have. So if you're in a dark place, if you're feeling a victim of circumstance, mm. and you you could. You could spend your whole time focusing on how you're going uh, to, you know, uh, straighten things out for yourself. Mm. And and of course, you know, we live in a world where you have to function and operate and logistically, uh, continue. And, and and I get that. But, but aside from that,
2: and next to that, you know, perhaps alongside it, in parallel, you can you can also. For, for you, that we can always find it in ourselves to give something to someone or something else, and to, in order to do that, you have to be in a position of having. You have to have something to give it, mm. whether that's love, support, compassion, time, whatever
3: it may be. And and I th- and it's just like that. That other great statement, quote, phrase: that you know, being an attitude of gratitude." Yeah. You, but, and, it will, and it changes everything. That, and I believe that
2: giving will make you feel everything Everything you are giving, I think you'll feel has been given to you as well because you can't give it without having it.
1: It's true. It's that, again, I know we're one for quotes, uh, Steve, but um, all but that right. I gave, I have.
2: They're beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, – and more than ever now, I think people need that, and I, and I, and I wish that for everybody, and uh, I hope they find it. And, and Mimi, I have to say, but, you know, I'm so grateful to you for having me on, and this conversation has been uh, a beautiful experience for me to, to to hear your thoughts and insights, and uh, and to just be able to mm-hmm. share with you in this in this forum. It's, been, it's just been beautiful, and uh, I feel very very honoured and and humbled and grateful in the extreme to have been invited and it's been absolutely beautiful uh, to talk to you and I love everything you stand for as well and what you're doing and, uh,
1: and you, and thank you for being you. Oh, that's so sweet and, you know, likewise really, Dan. Um, it's rare to find people that are sort of swinging on a star next to yours and you know catching that glimpse of that light and that's really what I think you are really you are shining the light and the honor really is all mine thank you so much for coming on and please come back again um whenever you like and keep us updated with all the things that you're doing and all the projects that you're doing and um you know it's been wonderful a beautiful soul, you really are. And for all those listeners out there, if you want to get in contact with Dan and have a look at all his work, where can they do that, Dan?
2: Uh, they can on, on Twitter and Instagram. My name is Dan710th, and that's 710ths. And the reason for that, hmm. funny enough, this wasn't rehearsed, <laughs> is because the planet is 710ths water.
4: Oh, my my, goodness. That's uh, amazing. And my my production company is called Seven Tenths Motion Pictures because I've always loved water. And, of course, we just ended on talking about the fact that we humans are seven tenths or
2: more water. So Dan710THS on Twitter and Instagram and on Facebook. If you just uh, type Dan Richardson, I think I'll come up. Pretty, pretty high up the list, and I'll, I'll um, you'll certainly find me under Dan Richardson, actor, and I have, I've got a verified page, but I also have a personal page where actually I actually do more of my work, including the live broadcasts. But uh, it would be wonderful to, to connect is. with every. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I'm, I'm, am uh, at the limit of friends on Facebook, I'm afraid, but I do, but we can. Um, I'm public. In other words, you can follow and comment and and interact in any way you like, and uh, and I would love. Very much, especially given the the nature of your podcast, uh, any of the listeners would be very welcome. It would be an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you follow along and and become part of that ripple effect we talked about.
1: Beautiful. I love it. And on YouTube as well, isn't it?
2: YouTube is actually, uh, it's called Food for Thought. Food for Thought. Okay. Uh, I think there's quite a few uh, YouTube channels called Food for Thought, but the, um, the our our channel is very new, and if and you you you
1: probably your best bet is to find it via my Facebook page because we always share it on the Facebook okay. page. Okay, and you're going to send me the link, aren't you, so I can put it in the episode details, and then I will. Uh, I will share it on my pages and everything as well. I but will petition- need I send you
2: the petition, the yes. petition link. Yes.
1: yes. Yes, and anything else? Any other links you want me to put up there? I will do the same.
2: Oh, that's so kind of you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure and an honour. And, um, and as, as you know, for all of your uh, wonderful listeners, uh, thank you for,
1: for sticking with us for as long as you have, and and spread the love. Yes, spread the love. Thank you, and lots of love to all of you, and lots of love to you,
0: Dan.
3: And to you, Amy, lots of love. Thank you all so
1: right
3: much. Then. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. bye.
0: Dan Richardson, extraordinary, exemplary, you know what people out there do for others really gives you faith in humanity again, although sometimes bittersweet about all the things that go on out there in the world, there are always some people trying to help. Thank you so much for joining me today until next time, take care and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www miminovic.co.uk